Welcome to Team Rabbit Hole Edition 209 with Neon Felicity, Utopian Cartography, author, YouTuber, thinker, Leo. Join the team as we get to know Neon, a raver and philosopher who has a few points to make about the world we could inhabit given the fusion of ideals and technology. Welcome, Neon. What is up, dude? Just don't forget to unmute yourself. Sorry. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, I like that description a lot. I try. I try. So something we do here on the podcast is talk about the major arcana resonator for the Tarot, like the major arcana of the Fool's Journey. Uh, 209 reduces to 11, which one and it's, it's two, ultimately, which is the High Priestess. That's hot. I offer up the mysteries of life. The High Priestess is about trusting your intuition listening to your inner guides, understanding yourself better, listening to the music of the universe, and allowing creative ideas to germinate. Raphael, what card do you have? We have the angel number 23, angel of healing capacity, <clears throat> belonging to the thrones. This angel protects against weapons and assaults, dominates the beauty and helps keep you safe when traveling. Influences nature, especially planting and knowledge of herbs to heal illnesses of the body. It is the god deflecting evil, belonging to the Four of Cups, therefore also Cancer, Moon and Water. And the affirmation is, I observe the natural rhythms of nature and I will be rejuvenated. So I'm curious, Neon, uh, did either of those, the High Priestess and that Angel card resonate in any way? yeah definitely i i really like the high priestess card uh, especially i mean them both but um yeah I, the idea the of sass right the, the feminine behind the whole matrix <laughs> right exactly i yeah i i find that to be a big part of my um core essence actually is a um a reinterpretation or a reading uh, it's an interesting thing because I, um, I, I feel like a lot of my identity over the years has been shaped by a rejection of masculinity. And it's interesting because, um, I, you know, I'm not, I, you know, I'm not trans, but I, I do, um, present in a very androgynous kind of way and draw my, I do draw my you know, spiritual power from my feminine side and, and especially the, um, uh, the wisdom that I get from, you know, uh, trying to emulate, um, strong women and I don't know, uh, learn from their way of, uh, uh, exercising power and em embodying, you know, a healthy, um, I don't know. Uh, relationship with mission kind of thing. Because right, I've, exactly. I've met you. I've met you and your, I think, now wife. I don't, I forgot. I think you guys are married. Um, and <laughs> I knew that you, I don't, I mean, I didn't know what you identify with sexually. Uh, you, like on your YouTube channel, you wear makeup and stuff. Never bothered me, obviously. Um, so I knew that you were gender fluid, I guess. I don't know how you identify with all this kind of stuff, but it seemed very androgynous is very much, uh, you know, a word that comes to mind as well as so it's not surprising that the high priest is coming up um not to mention uh the 
the way we met uh, in person, because we've known each other for a while, was at a festival, which was my first festival, which we'll get into. Um, but that was, you know, that kind of conscious festival is very high priestess, very much like, let's go behind the veil. Let's talk about the mysteries and the unifying, you know, intuitive force behind, you know, goddess energy or however one wants to put that. But anyway, uh, I'm rambling. So yeah, I mean, just for people's, uh, I'm trying to think, I don't, I don't even know how we became aware of each other, quite frankly, some Terrence McKenna group or psychedelics group, maybe a couple years ago on Facebook. And we didn't talk much. And then at some point, I guess you had seen a live I had done because you hit me up in Messenger um, last you know, July or something. And you were like, I heard you've never been to a festival. I'm going to be going to one and volunteering there. Uh, and you want to come join me, <laughs> basically. And I was like, fuck yeah. Uh, that's where we met up and hung out on Orcas Island at uh, Conscious Festival. I'm totally spacing on the name right now. Uh, Imagine Festival, I think it was and um my first festival great time we did a lot of you know kind of just grunt work and stuff uh camped one night um actually that dj um who is at that midnight uh set with the headphones he's been on the podcast he's a um ian uh bodhisattva as his dj name uh he's actually a master mason he was our 93rd episode so anyway uh that's how i met you we hung out we drove back down you dropped me off in portland we smoked some jays um beautiful trip uh getting to know you and your wife and yeah it was a lot of fun so team team rabbit hole fucking in action for sure but uh yeah anything you want to add to that like how we met i can't recall the details yeah i mean i'm not sure if it was just yeah it must have been from a terrence mckenna group or something um because i you all of a sudden were politics line up so much that we'd be in the same groups like that i mean i'm not against your thing but you're very pro bernie i'm actually pretty pro bernie i mean it's irrelevant now but um like i don't think i'm in any like really marxist kind well of, at least group. he's ruling the meme space right now no that's a plus yeah true 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 yeah no just definitely an expert memester uh no we got another bernie. Bernie. Oh right, <laughs> he's, he's hot right yeah. now. He's hotter than the fucking election ticket the DNC cock blocked him on. Right, exactly. <laughs> so lame. Anyway, we don't have to get into all the details of how we met, but basically that's just, you know the internet and Facebook, and you took the initiative with the intuition high priestess to reach out. I mean, I guess you observed you know that I had been to a festival, reached out, and I had a great time. Like that was a really good memory and a fun time altogether. A beautiful location. If anybody gets a chance to go to Orcas Island, it's uh, north of Seattle definitely do um so anyway kind of fill me in a little though um on anything that you might want to clarify on that front but i'm kind of curious i mean i don't think i ever got your like life story like where'd you grow up what kind of culture when did you start kind of figuring yourself out how'd you get to here but uh yeah kind of either clarify anything i might have misspoke and then let's dive into the who art thou phase <laughs> all righty yeah um well i mean uh <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry i was like trying to open the door of my apartment because i uh it's getting a little stuffy in here so i, I kind of spaced on a little bit of what you just said damn it <laughs> oh don't oh I mean, i'm pretty sure we covered like how we met we've hung out in the flesh we'll talk about that later on probably once we get to that part of your biography you don't have to go like all call me ishmael on it but like who art thou <laughs> <laughs> right yeah well okay so um um yeah i'm uh i i 
sorry, hold on. Just, just, just sorry. Take a deep a breath. Second. We'll talk for a second amongst ourselves. It's funny because you're the one who used to give her the questions. I don't know if you've ever been on the other side of the mic. Yeah, it's it is very uh, <laughs> interesting thing to be on the other side. Uh, so, but yeah. Um, so, um, I, I mean, I started out. So, I mean, I was raised Catholic, went to a Catholic high school, and uh, in we they really focused on the like social justice aspect of um, Jesus's ministry. And so I kind of, you know, became a hippie in that sense in early in high school, you know, even before, you know, really discovering, you know, that was how, that was my inroad to hippie culture. Cause I was like, cause at this, Catholic school. Were you they, a Christian, or were you just kind of going for the cultural? Like your parents made you go, and you kind of picked the best of the fruit that you could from the church. Well, yeah, no, yeah, no. I I was raised Christian. I I, I believe it, and and uh, all that, and I uh, and I I really liked the things that Jesus said, and so I am idolized the guy, and I was like, you know, and I, once I kind of became an adult and realized, like, oh, he's just a philosopher who had good ideas, and uh, got fucking executed for it <laughs> but anyway so like i'm not christian anymore but i i feel like i have a better appreciation for christian uh the, the actual philosophy that christianity was, that developed into a thing because of like because it was radical that were espoused yeah very radical like i get I'm glad you pointed that out a lot of people, I mean, it, whether one believes, you know, ontological presuppositions that are, you know, metaphysical, that gets tricky in and of itself altogether. Um, but I'm glad that you can at least, uh, you didn't, you know, you might have thrown baby, you didn't throw the baby out with the bathwater, basically. It's like, oh, there's some good values here and principles, whether or not it's a uh, pill to swallow. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, not throwing out the uh, baby with the bathwater. Because... Baby Jesus without the bathwater. <laughs> <laughs> right. right exactly and so that, that and that what is kind state of was this in cali or where were you yeah that was in california that was yeah, the, oh, yeah I went, the, in to sacramento details okay sac okay, okay, okay yeah yep the capital of the golden state um where all the uh the decisions about uh <laughs> a lot is of the, that decisions the black about the... panthers back in the day stood on those steps was that in sacramento yep that was in sacramento well, I mean, little seeds maybe you can fill me in because you both seem to be i mean definitely more in, involved with christianity the only connection i got was through boy scouts and being the only one in church then who doesn't get to eat the thing or something you know <laughs> but, uh, I'm, I'm just wondering like because the one thing one hears of is like these mega churches i mean jim shared like this particular let's say sect that his grandfather i guess co helped co-found or something so how, what kind of aspect is it when you say they harp on the social aspect uh, concept? You know, loving the poor. Probably. Oh, sure. Right. But then I'm like, probably wouldn't get away with the mega church that easily. Or like, how did that, you know, have an effect or no? Well, the, um, well, the me mega churches I are actually a super, super, super interesting phenomenon to me because they are a, it's like the most, um, uh it's it's like the worst bastard worst conceivable bastard bast bastardization, bastardization. <laughs> yeah bastardization. in the word <laughs> right of the of the teachings that are supposed that it's supposedly about <laughs> like like there was the one like there was a hurricane or, or in uh at one point and, and uh there was like the, 
a bunch of like a whole bunch of homeless people like camped out on the steps of a, a, one of the mega churches and um the, this guy joel austin who's like oh, a, he's a total you know, douche yeah he, he he like refused to open the doors of his mega church during a hurricane to let the homeless people in he'll it's get like, his he'll get his <laughs> but it's like i i hard for me to even imagine what is what ha- what went wrong in those people's uh interpretation of the text well, specifically <laughs> you know? joel olstein is pretty much taking prosperity verses and it kind of applying it to 80s and 90s like pre uh internet or whatever boom culture you know economic boom culture capitalism stuff so it's like right, if you do right. this you'll be rewarded so don't you want the gold car and it's like that's not an excellent send your motivator. donation now to be blessed by god Pretty with money much. or what i don't know if he has the donations thing but it's 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 ratchet i mean you don't want to let a philosophy uh you know and the adherence of a philosophy deter you from a philosophy because nobody gets shit right so you know there's you know marxists that are assholes but marx isn't the word you know it's like that Christianity's a good philosophy at a level but then the christians are the worst exemplars of this philosophy sometimes i joel holstein <laughs> being a total douche and like you know not being kind and just being it's like donnie darko or something where it's just like it's corporate corporate uh faith and they've kind of taken people who want to feel good and not really deal with theological you know implications in the real world beyond themselves right totally and one i actually um there, there's a chapter in my book called Neoliberal Theology, um, Superstitious Economics, and the Dying God King of Market Theory. Jesus Christ. And, <laughs> and where I basically talk about how um, cap- capitalism is a religion. And the belief in um, self... Um, uh, like, selfishness and... The idea, you know, the money god or whatever, you know, like the the it's idea like the free market, where it's like let the market do it at once. It's like the mysticism of it. It's like it'll go right, right. And part of my what part of my theor- thesis in that chapter is that um, the the for, for all of the same reasons that religions developed in the beginning of civilization to um, basically the population, the whole population into. Um, basically giving over the surplus of their production of their agricultural yield or whatever or whatever they're doing in their economy to this priest class on the grounds that the the priest class had some special access to the mind of god and like vip access you want red rope service give us (laughs) tithes right exactly and so and so and now with some with capitalism it's a similar thing where the stock market and the whole entire financial industry are this they're the new there it's a new pre it's a new type new kind of priest class which justifies its own disproportional share of the wealth in the society based on the claim based on their claim that they have you know special access to the mind of god i.e what the market wants and so that's why they get to be billionaires while the rest of us starve <laughs> don't you think that was uh i i do want to get i mean we can dip and i don't I mean, if you don't want to talk about yourself much you can't don't have to i do want to kind of get biographical but do you think that um you know tribes outside of 
Christianity, it seems to have example, uh, you know, used hierarchy and, uh, I mean, obviously indulgences in the Catholic Church, but I would imagine that, like, Buddhist priest class, Hindu priest class, warrior classes were like, we went hunting and I killed all the food, you might be able to have a scrap if you fuck me kind of thing. Like, that, this kind of exchange isn't particular to any religious sect, it seems like, in part of human nature in a way, or at least for a, a long period. Right, totally, and I think that's why it's been, I mean... And I would say that the 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 organization of society of civilization has you know kind of reinforced that over time, and so it's kind of it 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 shaped human nature and the the mind and the, you know it's like a, a self self reinforcing feedback loop. Um, because yeah, no, it's definitely not in, in no ways um, unique to Christianity. Every you know, not every, but like a, a lot of, um, I mean, that's just the, the, we're in the age of empires, you know, in the, the last 5,000 years since the written word, um, they call it, they, they call it the age of empires where the, the written codification of law, but that was enabled by the written word enabled the assembly of bigger and bigger polities, you know, like, which could be, so like the Roman empire was able to you know rule this vast expanse of territory in a way that you know hadn't been possible for the alphabet and so i think that 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 invention of the written word created this cycle of these long extending um uh, empires basically where you know like and and i and i think it's i mean history has been moved along by um people pushing back against that and and it, our society has become you know it's it's weird because it, in some ways it's become more and more equal and then other ways it's become more unequal like the the disparity between the richest and poorest in our society is greater than like ever before uh but meanwhile there's some sort of extent to which we do all see each other as you know um equals in some sense or like we like, like general progress has occurred you see what you're saying like medicine has helped people and you know having a plumbing and fucking literacy goes a long way but it seems <laughs> like the towers that you know maybe it was a war chief or a high priestess before that had the manipulative power at this point it's like ossified institutions that have made laws using language to create classes in a very different way that creates stratification that's pretty ratchet probably the most ratchet ever i mean there's some people that literally could you know pay many people a lot of money um you know bill gates those types and uh, in a weird way they do fill in oh go ahead rafael now just to put it into perspective because you mentioned jimmy briefly mentioned marxism and we have to you know be very specific talking about these things uh to understand each other or even capitalism and on many different ways i completely agree first of all i'd like to say you know it's a cult until it's the cult you are the culture right and then it's just normal the whole thing with the stock markets and the shareholders of course is a complete joke to, to me since ever because again you have like an anonymous group up in the sky that's you know veiled three times like the wizard of oz or something and that's then supposed to some literally just a number just like the game they're playing now 
you're supposed to jump left or right or base all kinds of decisions on that. I think that's completely ludicrous. And if someone knows a little bit about the accounting fraud that's going on and all the scheming and crazy manipulation from media to financial to I don't know what else, it's obvious that it's a complete farce on many different fronts. Um, however, I wanted to ask about capitalism, because here I see the issue that even the base assumption that we would live in let's say democratic or even social capitalism, I think they call it or called it in some parts of Europe for some time, um, that there is still an assumption that everyone would have, as I understand, perfect or at least very good information about the market, that this is an assumption and therefore, you know, actors make decisions. However, in truth, of course, that's the whole thing that information is shielded and walled through so many levels that that's not the case at all. So oftentimes a certain ideal is put forward and it's pretended as if that's the game we play, but that's not at all the fact. So what I kind of want to say or ask is, as I understand, there never ever, and I don't know if it's even possible, really has been a free market that's equally accessible, especially because now many aspects of government simply become the anti-competition agency for you know the same elite, right? Yeah, totally. That was super well put. Um, <laughs> definitely. Um, I mean, they act like they like this is the pinnacle of human achievement, <laughs> like that. Um, but but you're right, exactly. That the idea of people acting on um, whatever information that they have and and it's a complete fantasy to think that they're going to be able to rationally calculate all the possible factors in, in a situation in which everyone is barraged by advertising like everybody there's they've done studies and the average like citizen of a you know developed country sees thousands of advertisements every single day <laughs> like and so it's like the idea that and and that's all you know you know paid speech or whatever so it's it 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 i don't know it's just well, it's changed it's, what it means to be human i mean the marketplace isn't just like sterile in a weird way just to be the devil's advocate like i don't think anyone can avoid programming or culture so in some ways we tend to deify some and you know vilify others um, just for the record, like, I don't think anyone sits around saying, even Buddhists who are like, I don't want to, you know, I want to attach nothing. That's a program to run on. That's a belief structure. So it seems like we can't be actually inert, you know, like in, untouched by these things, uh, pure, if you want to put it that way. But at the same time, um, we've given ourselves over to a degree. And as Eisenhower kind of pointed out back in the day, it's like there's certain powers that if they get together, they're going to fuck and you're not in the club like George Collins says. And that seems to have been going ratchet in the past few decades. Right, totally. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it uh, pays to be in the club. <laughs> and that's like, like just in the, just since, just in the past year, like since coronavirus, the, um, the handful of billion, you know, the handful of billionaires have, damn it, I shouldn't even cite because I can't remember the exact numbers, but the, Amount of money that billionaire class, <laughs> right? It's it's mind-boggling. Like while the fifty million people are unemployed, and like you know, 
obliterating their life savings <laughs> like just to the, survive the, yeah just to survive and uh yeah they're they're uh the stock market is going crazy right now it's yeah, all-time highs like every that's every, truly kind of interesting and hilarious to me to be honest i was also though i i guess in many different ways i let's say see trump much more at least neutral than many others but this is another thing that many people criticize. And to me, like, like I said, it's ludicrous that also he was always the stock market is so high and so on. And I'm like, well, it doesn't mean anything, you know, <laughs> and especially now. And I, I mean, I kind of I really don't know because I wish everyone a smooth transition. It's obvious many things are changing and need to change. But I'm really curious how this will play out. And I just hope many people, you know, I don't know. I just hope there will be a smooth pass for them because I, you know, how should I say? I don't want people to lose their life savings. You right? are like but a Christian. I'm not you don't so want sure. them to suffer. You want to alleviate suffering. Very Buddhist of you. Uh, in a weird way, though, it's like we reap what we sow. And um, as Philip K. Dick would say, like the empire never ended. The Roman Empire really changed the world, like you were saying. And it's standard. It was like basically, like, you know, join our club or die. And a lot of people saw the benefit, the short term and maybe even long term benefits of joining civilization, if you want to put it that way, at the cost of their own tribal, you know local customs and all that jazz um not that they even had to always totally convert to like an outpost kind of thing um sometimes they were just like yo use coinage and have a statue of caesar and kiss it like every now and then say hail caesar and you're good like we won't crucify you otherwise we're gonna massacre you motherfuckers and we're gonna keep walking through so it's like that kind of energy is what perpetuated the system the empire as philip k dick would say and it seems like we've all for better or worse to varying degrees i mean i've been an outsider on this uh, you know i just got my first credit card this year because i'm engaged and i want to like not fuck up my life <laughs> that front whatever but basically we're all very much funny that you would systems. just sorry just to say funny that you would connect the getting a credit card with you know getting a life yeah, together it's like thing. having established credit and that's just, uh, this is it's 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 a it's, it's a shit show right it's, it's a whole thing of course yeah 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 it's like you, if no, i want to get a house go ahead man no, you've gotten the divine approval from the money god. Which is weird. I don't know if you're into, um, I haven't seen it, but there's something called American Gods, which gets into these it's things. It's great. Things. Watch it, everyone. It's really great. It's well done. Oh, you, I didn't know you watched that. Uh, but this gets into, I think, um, there's a word for it, magic. Um, I'm totally spacing on the word now. Uh, but basically, when you put a lot of, when people put a lot of mental energy, psychic energy into something, it becomes alive. And that's aggregor. Aggregor, there you go. Yeah, so we've built into this aggregor for the past two thousand years. Um and, you know, obviously even Romans had to be like, give them the circus maximus so they don't like fucking think too much about this and revolt. Like we've been distracted and, and coddled for so long that we have basically multiple species of humans, if you want to put it that way, economic species of humans. Because people in Papua New Guinea who like, you know, run around in loincloths and fucking live in like tree huts. They're not so worried about COVID and the economy right now. Their life hasn't changed that much, right? Um, they didn't submit to the empire. Whereas people who are empire entrenched to varying levels, whether you're a CEO or uh, you know a YouTube anarchist or whatever, um, were being shook by this system kind of hitting its apex. It probably, you know, just like Rome kind of got to a point and then dissolved and turned into you know balkanizations of different groups, and then the Brits took over, and then that did the same thing. America. It's done it now it's, it seems like the cycle is continuing in a weird kind of mckenna uh time wave zero like iteration or something i'm rambling but i guess what i'm kind of saying is uh it, it's like we reap what we sow we've participated with these things consciously i mean we could be conscientiously against the system and be in it still if that makes sense 
Yeah, definitely. I think that's the only um, ethical option <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> uh, I guess, like, um, ah, oh, damn it, I forgot what I was about to say. Yeah, sorry. It's okay. No, uh, another thought, thought that popped into mind, and maybe we can go back to your history, because uh, I'm curious about your childhood, like when you started, I mean, if you were like sexually open as a kid, or like when you were like, oh, makeup's cool, psychedelic's cool. Um, the, the rave, rave scene the rave scene yeah we'll get into that um no, no, that, that, i'm just saying that's where i got into the idea that oh, boys oh. can wear makeup and and embody any type of character that they so like choose that. yeah that's where the name neon came about you know when i went to my first rave and i like just like met all these amazing people that had all these really strange names like and i was like i want a fun cool name and and so you know i, I it, it took me a couple months actually to of searching for a rave name to come across neon but this it, it, it has become a character it's a the, there's it's a it's a it's a, even a story <laughs> unto itself the evolution of this neon character <laughs> that i um am and my relationship with it as a well, character shit. just talk about that for a minute <laughs> yeah i mean were you on drugs when you figured it out or was this like a sober kind of just like oh i found the counterculture and now i want to revolt or whatever well which part i mean i, I wasn't I mean, I, I guess it w was when I decided that I wanted a rave name, but I wasn't when I decided that Neon was it. So, so psychedelics did play a part in opening our eyes to the whole scene? I mean, your first rave right, yeah. drugs, I guess I could say. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, just that, that whole psychedelic world. and But, like, so, I, yeah, Neon was my rave name um, back in the, 2009, um, and... Then when I got caught up in 2010, um, I, I, guess I don't know if you know that story. I, like I got caught up for selling psychedelics in college and, caught uh, up as in like arrested. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. A like, yeah. Like wow. as in, <laughs> yeah. Like as in, um, they like raided my house and it was, just, it was a whole big thing. Um, what were you selling? <laughs> It was on the news and whatnot. It was on the news. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was on the news. <laughs> well, at least it's better than like killing someone or raping someone. So just like, to let like everybody know, you know, you're the great criminal that police is protecting us from, or DEA and so on. <laughs> <laughs> what were you selling? Well, and once upon a time, um, yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, um. Yeah, in 2000. Yeah, I I had a lot of fun in the rave scene back in 2009. Yeah, it all came crashing down um, when uh, the when I got raided and I had this whole this whole long um, court case and my my lawyer said that I needed to. Well, at that time I had bright pink. I had a bright pink reverse mullet, so it was like uh uh. So it was Short like on back business up, yeah, like yeah. play up front or whatever. Yeah, part, party up front, party in the front, and business in the back, which was kind of, I, I, I thought it was really ironic and hilarious, and and it was uh, neon pink, and uh, it was a big part of my identity. And uh, well, originally it was pink dreads, but then I, I cut off part of the dreads, and anyways, I had this really sick style, and then but I had to cut it all off and die back to brown court. yep <laughs> exactly and so Isn't it was that this... funny though they're like please submit to this whole process and you've got to meet our social like you can't even be yourself right like, exactly 
Yep. Nope. Exactly. The, my lawyer literally is like, "We got to make you look like a, a nice white boy who uh, <laughs> who never had a sideways thought in his life." <laughs> um, but anyway, so like, it, it, and I, I wasn't sure whether I could keep going by the name Neon without this whole persona and identity and business <laughs> that was that it was that I, that was just you that take had evolved. Away the empire, is he still a king? Is the question. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Exactly. And so, so it took me so and, and I literally like I it, it wrecked me, man, like my, the my, whole, you know, because they took away my phone and all this stuff. And that was before contact lists were backed up. And so I, I, I lost all the contacts that I had made, like just friends that I had made at raves over the course of that year. And I don't know. I just, I, I was like so caught up, cut off from my entire, my culture and my, you know, the thing that gave me spiritual sustenance is like going and, you know, dancing together with people in these like ecstatic rituals. And, and, but then I, you know, couldn't do that anymore. And so I wasn't sure whether to, to just like, you know, leave this neon identity in the past. And, uh, and then I went to Lightning in a Bottle in 2012, and uh, and I, that was when I discovered that there, that which is a festival, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a transformational festival um, with all kinds of different um, music and art and uh, philosophy. Like they have seven different um, workshop spaces with like all kinds of different edu- educational content going on um, simultaneously with like you know dope music in the background and like. I, I don't know. It's there's so many different things, and and that world, people also go by um, fun names, and it's they, they they call them playa names, and and I was like, okay, so this isn't quite exactly the same, but it's pretty damn similar to rave culture. So hey, I could rejuvenate, I could rebirth this neon identity in a new way. Um, that and so yeah, seems, so yeah, it seems like rave culture that spills out after the club and people are like, well, let's just make it an extended weekend in nature. With <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right, exactly. It's the greatest thing, in my opinion. I, I just, and so it made me realize that like it, it was a maturation of the rave scene. And that's part of why I love festivals so much because I, I kind of saw it, I, I kind of see them as the, the, a, a more mature version of of raving where p- people can not only get to you know experience the ego dissolution of dancing together with people under the influence in you know in a night but I, yeah extending it over the course of a weekend and really makes it so that there's like other moments to chill and it's not like a raging party the whole time or whatever you know and so people can get to get the chance to know each other and so it's like a it's like a, a, a blossoming of a, a flowering of um oh sorry i just uh, not, notifications just eh. <laughs> so distractible. Sorry. Sorry. oh my gosh no uh, no, no I, it's okay it, it, it was, no, I'm so so. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't want to. I don't give a shit, dude. I just like talking. Don't <laughs> take a few deep breaths. There's no tra- just imagine you're Bart Simpson in a treehouse with a bong. It's like ain't this ain't nothing. So <laughs> right, um, totally. I'm tr- like it seems to me that the rave scene yeah. is very much uh, the uh, archaic revival that McKenna's talking about. It's like we've <laughs> lost something with Rome um, right, and right. pagan kind of impulse 
Um, I was even actually just listening to some uh, Viking history while I was doing, I'm learning Japanese, teaching myself Japanese on Duolingo. So while I'm doing Japanese, I'm listening to podcasts and all sorts of shit. And one of these things was like Viking kind of worldview, whatever. And their funerals were like, made Tarantino films look like tame. It's like people getting slit throats, rapes, animals being smashed. I mean, everyone's so drunk, people are dying of alcohol poisoning. It's crazy shit. I'm not saying to do that, but it's like, oh my gosh, that kind of impulse, uh, we'd lost touch with maybe for better in some ways. But, um, you know, like now, like, you know, someone's slave isn't getting fucked by everybody at the fucking funeral and then killed on a pyre or whatever. Um, but for Odin or whatever the fuck's going on. But um, these raves, because it's funny, the rave culture, because drugs hit the club scene like Coke and E and not so much acid. That's kind of the, the hippie culture of the, you know, the 60s and stuff, 70s. Um, I don't know, but it seems like a lot of that still occurs. So you can go go to the club or whatever, and people are still popping Molly and all sorts of stuff. But at the same time, it's not focused on consciousness expansion. It's usually pretty hedonistic and basic in a sense. Right, totally. And it's not, yeah, exactly. It's not like specifically geared to make people, you know, tap into, yeah, exactly. Their their highest potential uh, as a person <laughs> like i don't know i feel like the the I, our society has like i feel like the, our whole culture is so corrupt that the idea of human potential has even been uh <laughs> misunderstood like like i just feel like the our our potential is our you know capacity to be our, for altruism i feel like that's the the special the the thing that makes us special is because we have a an extraordinary capacity for altruism that other um species are you know just don't exhibit in as strong um senses i don't know and, and so i feel like yeah that's the the, the yeah and there, there's there's a lot of um it's, it's so interesting because in studying the the evolution of the rave scene itself um it's it's kind of fascinating because i i caught the second wave of it really because you know I, um i was just a baby when uh, when rave first um uh came into existence um i don't know it's and and it's there's also just a great history of like the evolution through um go music and how the dance scene kind of emerged from the rubble it was kind of you know rose like a phoenix from the from the rubble of the crackdown against the civil rights movement you know dude they the they they got rid of so many people so many brilliant utopian thinkers in the 60s i can't even imagine what that felt like for people like us it's like elon musk got shot or something i mean in a weird way (laughs) You know, there was people because it's funny. I hadn't thought about that. Basically, soul led to funk, which funk leads to disco. Disco leads to rave, essentially. I mean, house music and stuff. There's definitely a through line, right? Totally. And then to this this new um, like down tempo stuff that's happening now. I feel like there's so much brilliant electronic music happening right now. Like, it's kind of it's kind of mind boggling. Like, I, I came up with the I, I thought of this phrase well, uh, a while back that um electronic music is hacking into the sound wave frequency the the audible sound wave frequency spectrum and you know 
like manipulating little noises and trying to trying to explore the farthest reaches of the all the different types of noises that could be put to get constructed in various different ways and i don't know i think that that is beautiful that's one of the things that makes me so excited to be alive because back in that's one things that that's one thing that you know i i i don't envy the um sonic um uh uh options at the time from the 60s you know when you know the guitar and the drums you could say we're a little more literate now we have an extended vocabulary which kind of is ironic because you thought that's kind of where things started going wrong earlier in the podcast like we got language and it all went to shit right marshall McLuhan sounds like um we're going you know how it might have gone from symbols to language you know in a literary form like the alphabet we've gone from like sounds to like music notation now and like you're saying now into frequencies and um kind of micro uh nuances to the degree that it's like hyper literate i mean basically our population's expecting you know more and more out of our ears right totally and and it's and it's uh and one of the things that i'm is that it, it almost uh, there are times when i'm listening to experimental electronic music especially like bassy stuff where there's there's times where somebody's doing something real complicated and fancy and i'm and i think to myself man i can and this is just what my, my i can pick up with my organic human ears i can't even imagine what kind of uh art is going to audio art is going to be opened up to me once we have you know the once you know cochlear cochlear implants become better you know so it's not just here you know such that hearing aids what was that dog raves no i'm kidding it's like music (laughs) for you guys right right no i mean it's like once the spectrum of uh senses opens it's just like color. I mean, two fifty six, and then you get you know whatever. It just goes all the way. Right. Now it's like, um, you know, the chromatism is insane. Exactly. <laughs> well, let's do something. Let's qu- take a quick music break. Gather your thoughts, and when we come back, um, we'll talk a little about. I mean, as much as you want to talk about your history stuff, you want, but getting into kind of it seems like we're getting into the techno utopianism kind of stuff that you like, and ironically, the song I've picked. And don't forget to hit mute. Is um, a Rage Against the Machine song. I figured you politically dig it, but also it's uh, got the whole precursor, like the soul to funk to what we were just talking about. But this is kind of the rock bend. Enjoy. Welcome back. It's ironic because that song exemplified both the bifurcation of philosophy through the people over time, like we're talking about, just like you know the Renaissance and all this stuff. And it's uh, so that's one you know funny irony that it synced up with. But the other thing, it's like all this like and frequencies, and I mean, as far as like rock goes, that was kind of trying to push the envelope back in the day. Right. Yeah, it's a great example of. Sorry. Right. Yeah, that's a great example of how. You know, they were that, they were pushing the boundaries, and that was the, the the furthest you could push the boundaries back then. With a guitar, was making noises like that. <laughs> Tom Morello is science fiction guitar. For, I mean, he's like a stormtrooper on acid or something. I've always felt like it's just like what the fuck. Um, I mean, it's a little different now because we have post Daft Punk kind of reality where you know anybody can kind of like chop stuff and like what you're saying. You know, 
pixelated dubstep or whatever the fuck, like there's sonic insanity going on. But for when that dropped, I think it was around 2000, maybe 99, 2000, um, maybe a little later, but right around there, that's 20 years old. I mean, that's only 20, 15 or 20 years after Led Zeppelin, if you want to put it that way. Which is like, what the fuck? So anyway, um, where would you like to take this conversation? We can talk more about your past if you want, um, like becoming who you are more and more. It seems like you found out who you were on both psychedelics and in a community, i.e. the rave scene got hicked, you know, the hiccup of the whole legal system and all that, but you rose through it, found a lightning in a bottle again. Dare I say you found your lightning in a bottle again. And uh, what happened after that? I mean, I don't even know if you finished school, like in terms of getting a degree and stuff. I, I don't know if I've ever asked that. I did, yeah, yeah. I finished my degree. Um, yeah, I got a degree in philosophy. Um, and I'm glad that it, it, the, the timing worked out really well because um, I kind of discovered the festival scene like right as I was graduating from college. And so I kind of was like, you know, because when you when you, you wouldn't have graduated, had you found it at the freshman year? <laughs> potentially. <laughs> um, but like, but or even like a year, even just a year earlier, <laughs> even like because it was so I don't, I don't know, because when you are majoring in philosophy any every single time you ever tell anyone that that's what your major is they're like oh they give you this face like oh uh oh <laughs> what are you gonna do with your life uh like it's it's our society is so bank uh bankrupt with regard to wisdom that it's that, very machiavellian uh, i mean people are like are you gonna make money and as opposed to are you gonna enrich your life Right, right, exactly. Like philosophy is literally uh, the the study of what all of the most wise people throughout the history of civilization have said. <laughs> like, in the, the the I don't know, and it, the idea. Why should philosophy that... be important? I mean, it's only <laughs> what everyone else you know refers back to on anything they ever do, right? Ultimately. <laughs> Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, it's kind of like baggage and consumerism. It's just like in a, it reminds me of uh, uh, there's a movie called Office Space, which is kind of funny. You'd probably like um, if you haven't seen it. And mm -hmm. uh, these people put on pins, and the, you know, for the like Fridays or whatever. They're like, do you have your greeting pin and all this shit? People want you to put on all the tribal badges that make sense to the system. They don't want you to think freely. That's why psychedelics are illegal. They don't want you to even think deeply about you know the nature of reality because that will cause you to be maybe less productive if not antithetical to their system so they're just like, <laughs> right. yeah we're not going to reward that we're going to reward the people who are like playing the stock game or playing you know perpetuating the system with education even though philosophers tend to become teachers usually it uh, you know it's not like uh, well anyway i'm rambling was there a specific uh like focus were you doing like nietzsche or was it just like philosophy in general or what was your thing well i mean it started out i mean I, well, so I started out in college as a political science major, um, and then why am I not surprised? <laughs> well, yeah, it's I mean because of the politicization that I mean when I was in high school, that was during the Bush administration, and there was I mean that that was before we you know you know Obama got elected and doubled down on the wars, and so there was a time where we we're like, oh How yeah, are let's. You? Are you uh, I'm, I'm thirty five. I'm just realizing. I'm, I'm, I'm 30. Okay, well, okay, so you were a freshman when I was graduating, but yeah, I was like, when you said Bush was president during high school, I was like, what? Yeah, okay. yeah, the fuck? <laughs> totally. Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But yeah, um, so philosophy degree and then but yeah, science yeah. kind of matured to philosophy. Go ahead. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I was definitely very fascinated in uh, the philosophy of mind stuff because of my, you know, um, my uh, negotiations with religion, you know, as having been raised Catholic and, you know, been, you know, uh, disillusioned with the um, legit, you know, the, the, the legitimacy of the things that the, um, of, of the, the assertion that the mythology of it, like, were, like, were necessarily historically act things that you got, that you can extrapolate from. Like, so I, I was very interested in the metaphysics. So, so the, I don't know if this is, if they do it like this at other universities, but at UC Santa Barbara, the, the philosophy uh, degree has uh, two tracks. There's the metaphysics and philosophy of mind track and the ethics and public policy track. And so I, I was very interested in kind of the way, the way I think about it is that like, I was super, super interested in the metaphysics and philosophy of mind stuff because of my own experiences with psychedelics. But then I was, I, but then I felt like the ethics and public policy part was more important because, especially because of like what, what happened to me? Like, so my, yeah, my, my arrest was the single organizing factor in my whole thinking. Fuck the man. They really right. suck. I'm gonna figure this shit out. <laughs> right, exactly. And so, I, so that's that's why this book that I'm in the middle of editing right now is 700 pages long, because there's just so there the amount of things like the interesting stuff about how our, our this civilization came to be the way that it is, and like it it, it set me on this whole, you know. It, and so yeah that that arrest was on march 17th 2010 and so i and i every every year on march 17th i'm like or on literally on saint patrick's day these motherfuckers raided my house not only was it during finals week so they made me fail three of my four three of my four classes because they literally raided my house during finals and and um oh damn i forgot the other part saint patrick's day Oh yeah, so, yeah, and and it was on St. Patrick's Day. Well, I so, guess you have your own. Well, question would be is that whether by now you feel lucky that it happened the way it did? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I very, very, very much so. The way the way I think of it is that um, if I hadn't gotten arrested at when I did, that I, I would have only continued to develop that business and then eventually i would have only continued to grow taller and then it would have been an even bigger fall yeah (laughs) right exactly so i'm glad that they you know nipped that my business in the bud back when it was small (laughs) you know mixed Um, blessings you never know how this shit works so you popped out you started with a poli sci thing um and then it turned into philosophy, and it seems like you were going from more the practical, if that's, dare I say it, the word, uh, the more, you know, uh, environmentally applicable kind of route where it's like you can see praxis in the world. It's cool to contemplate if you're a butterfly dreaming and stuff. And I get, you know, I, I personally like epistemology of, you know, uh, you know, um, what's it called? Um, I'm spacing now, but the like you know the heavy metaphysics stuff. It's like, what is a thought? Well, how? Who's thinking right, about right. phenomena? Yeah, that's why I switched my major. Sorry, but 
Yeah, that's why I switched my major to philosophy when I was like, man, you could, I like, I didn't even, when I, after I took my first philosophy class, my freshman year of college, I was like, I don't even get why people study anything else. <laughs> like, I remember, I remember really struggling to care about my, all the other classes. Like, but over the course of college, like every, every philosophy class I had, it was just so fascinating. And I got, I got in every one of those classes and, you know, you know, and I, they're kind of, struggled in other classes like I, I got a's in all my philosophy papers but then i was with like, a really struggle to write like history papers or like write papers for other classes i but i but then for somehow but for some reason i was able to write philosophy ones well and so i was just like i guess that's just what my mind is uh you know geared up to You're do like or neon fish to water <laughs> right <laughs> rafa did you want to ask something no, I just said you were talking about ontology, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just all the... There's a lot of philosophy. There's types of philosophy. Like oh, some yes. people like the philosophy of law and shit like that. And I'm like, I don't care. I mean, that's interesting, but I'd much rather be like, you know, what's the nature of a dream? Or you know, whatever. <laughs> that kind of right. right. Um, totally. So once you popped out with a degree, um, were you a slug? Was that Santa Barbara or is that Santa Cruz? That's Santa Cruz. Okay. What was your mascot? Um, The Gauchos. What the hell is that? <laughs> um i believe it's a pirate okay okay i was like this wait like no no no, no, no. I, I take that back wait now i can't even remember i, I just remember if it was something stupid <laughs> yeah uh, yeah I, I remember being i remember feeling like i um got the short end of a stick but this is gaucho a cowboy of the south american pampas right, right. it's so a it's cowboy that's yeah, right not cowboy. yeah that's what it was. It was my high school mascot that was a pirate. <laughs> it all bleeds together. So what? What did you start doing after uh, high or college, rather? Um, uh, studying. Um, I, so my I had I drove. A, I used to drive a 1965 Volkswagen bus, and literally on my way home, the craziest synchronicity, on my way home from college after graduation, I had all my stuff in my Volkswagen bus. And my engine caught fire and burned all my stuff literally halfway from Santa Barbara to Sacramento. Like when I was literally in the, in the, I just graduated from college and then I was I'm on my free. way. It's time to start life. Right. right. And, and then, and then literally the universe explodes my, my the engine in my bus, which, you know, it's, it's, that's kind of how buses end. Oh, there's a video of me. There's also, there's a video of me on Facebook from that time where I'm like, I, I show the picture of my burning, beautiful turquoise Volkswagen bus on the side of the highway. And I'm just like, so distraught. Like, I don't know what the fuck to do. Like, <laughs> Crowdfund, man. You should have done a, uh, <laughs> like a put up the donations hat or something. <laughs> right. Well, luckily I had good insurance. So I, the, I, the money that I got from the insurance from my bus, um, incinerating um kind of enabled me to not have to get a job right away um and also that was really clutch because i had a felony on my record which made it quite difficult <laughs> to get a job right away um but and so i kind of just spent the first year of like researching and that was in 2012 and so at that time i was i i, I was really uh, Man, I I was quite convinced about the whole December twenty first, twenty twelve thing. Oh, it seriously I, happened for the record. I mean, we <laughs> might already be in a bardo or dead already or something, but I really do believe there was. Uh, I mean, I'm 
personally convinced. I can't speak for Raphael. But right after that, I started doing psychedelics, waking up in a very specific way. You know, Team Rabbit Hole became a thing, making posts. I mean, we're all waking up in our own ways. But that's when I turned on to Alan Watts, like 2013, 2012. So, um, right, and that was when I kind of got. Yeah, and that's when I discovered festivals and this whole thing. So yeah, it's it it, it does feel. Like you were expecting, I don't know, like the movie with uh, John Cusack, twenty twelve shit, or what were you expecting? Well, I mean, I was, I, I, I by the by the time December twenty first, but by, by the by the by the time the December rolled around, I was watching all kinds of stuff about the magnetic Earth's magnetic field, you know, faltering, and there being a solar flare that <laughs> that would, you know, potentially knock out most of catastrophism kind of stuff <laughs> right like I, I was definitely like um not so much like we're gonna get rainbow bodies and kept portals <laughs> returned and your inner kundalini is gonna rise which i think both kind of happened i mean i think people were expecting dire doomsday stuff because of the social programming through the john cusack movie. yeah I think people and, like oh apocalypse means destruction it just means an unveiling basically so it's like right, we've opened right. our eyes now to like oh the systems don't work and oh people should treat each other nicely you know money is fiat currency sucks or whatever right exactly dude thank you because literally a big part of the project of the development of this book was well sorry first of all let me say the um part of why i got i think i part of why i was i found that 2012 stuff so attractive was because i just i was because i was so uh, uh, I don't know. I, um, pessimistic. Of, <laughs> I want to burn. <laughs> well, I just I, I I figured that the whatever comes next after this has got to be better than this thing, and and so then when nothing happened, I was like, okay, wait, what? Why? Why was? Why did the culture say that this was gonna that all the? Why? Why were there so many people saying all this crazy stuff about? what was going to happen on this day. And I'm like, then well, what is going on? And then, so that kind of sent me on this whole path of, you know, that, into the, you know, conspiracy theory rabbit hole. And like, I, I don't know. I, I, there was, there was a time in 2013, especially where man, I, it was, it was the dark, the dark night of the soul to the max for the me. reptilian overlords, man. That kind of stuff. <laughs> well a little bit i mean i i i, I never I, I never actually like thought that there was that the rep toys were real but but i i mean um i don't know i just i mean they're I, real enough according to david palmer as we heard yesterday jim no i <laughs> just want to bring right, that up right. i mean it's tricky because i don't want to push our ontologies onto you uh it, it's kind of like, no, not at all just shit. saying there's yeah. layers yeah you just yeah. mentioned briefly put that uh People were using cocaine in front of him, and he oh, could he did see seven like grams of mushrooms. We should say, and then right, he started right. seeing like their, you know, reptilian selves, like like astral selves, like yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of funny because I was like, "Well, Jesus Christ, that sounds like a trip." But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. My like Raphael's RH negative. My fiance's RH negative. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how to dissect all that stuff. But anyway, we can get into like metaphysical weirdness in a second. You were kind of talking about 2012 kind of like blues where it's like almost like the QAnon people right now where they're like, wait, what do you mean the storm didn't happen? <laughs> right, exactly. Disillusionment's right. a bitch. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I do like, believe that there was a um, spiritual pull shift. I really do think we like ushered into a new aeon starting around then. It's kind of like, I don't know whether the Mayans had, you know, if they were like accurate in terms of an apocalypse, like what we're expecting in terms of 
everything you know what we're going through now ironically um but <laughs> it seems like they understood that there was a threshold that was going to be crossed that was beyond a tipping point at some level right yeah totally i mean i yeah i definitely do believe that i mean the i like like so, social activism has been you know like there's been more and more of it you know i guess over the like and obviously i don't know i feel like it's i don't know it's my i've obviously i i I think the whole trump phenomenon does signify some kind of um sea change yeah rupturing in the general continuity of the status quo like i just feel like whether people reckon with it that or not like i i I feel like i watched hillary and trump debate on acid and that's where i was like (laughs) this is just such a weird time (laughs) like i was just like this is so fucked maybe just to make it very simple and without getting into details about you know policies or favorites or even backgrounds or background dealings the main thing which i'm always looking out for which i think has greatly progressed one could certainly say also thanks to everything surrounding the last four years is that the media kind of has lost its tight grip on reality and monopoly of opinion and that's always what i i consider to be the most relevant idea that a plurality of opinions actually is allowed again and the real discussion is encouraged and i think there in a sense we've made lots of progress in my view right totally i mean um yeah, it's that is one feature of the. I, I think, well, I think especially it was Rushgate that did did that to the credibility of the mainstream media. It was just like for three years, it was just like every day there was some new conjecture, new conjecture about Trump's supposed ties to Russia, and it was just so like hair on fire and ridiculous looking that i feel like at the, at this point it's just like everybody's like okay well yeah you're obviously full shit. Right i mean um, i'm not a, i, I yeah, never got into yeah. it at that point i was pretty apolitical like when trump got elected i was kind of like this is fucking insane we just selected a fucking reality tv show host and i kind of never and i mean i was pretty apolitical for a while like i'm not even sure if the mechanisms are even you know able to be pushed in such a way that it's actually us changing things quote unquote like democracy might have sold out a long time ago and it's just corporations influencing us to advertise well just ask yourself since when you're using these kind of machines that's where i'd start (laughs) i mean there's many other ways to manipulate ask i mean even just very simply put if we want to get conspiratorial which it's not really isn't one of wasn't one of the first editors or like in 1920 or whatever of the new york times or something like this and they already said you know Basically, everything we write is a joke and it's just to obfuscate and uh, mislead the public, basically. I mean, that's nothing new. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. (laughs) So, yeah, but like Trump is kind of like a wrecking ball. Exactly. But now the only difference I see in many different ways, again, whether one agrees with specifics or not, but it's been put so to the extreme on all sides. And as I understand, now everyone can get banned, you know. (laughs) So uh, it's really blatant and that I think is great kind of because it's really obvious now. It's almost impossible to ignore that there are some issues we may want to look at together, you know. (laughs) What works with me is I'm wondering if it's a long game where people are like, look, if we set fire to the bushes over here, people are going to say, fuck that fire and then stomp it out. And then it creates the wave, like the pendulum effect. People reacted to that. So now they're like, I mean, I'm 
I'm guessing you're probably more glad that a Democrat's in than a Republican, but at the end of the day, it's like Pepsi versus Coke to me. And yeah, I'm but like, this guy, give a shit. I mean, I mean, maybe Neon, t- tell us what you think briefly, if you'd like, and overall or whatever. You mean about whether I'm happy that Joe Biden got elected? Let's put it like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a, uh, I mean, I guess all things being equal, I'm, you know, glad that it happened but uh, but uh, at least in terms of since they robbed us in the primary like because you were uh, very much about bernie yeah and and also very much up against joe biden joe biden personally wrote the crime bill he rallied votes for the rap i'm like he's a really bad a bad example not to those who know right (laughs) right like joe biden is like the one of the worst people in the entire one of the worst democrats if not the worst democrat in the country like he's he's done more damage to this country than than almost anybody else he like but because he, they let the fire of trump blaze now people say he's like a reasonable person let's go with that that's what i'm kind of saying that's great now. so like basically game. everybody's saying that joe does just what i read recently you know people sneering or whatever but doing what he always does he does nothing actually means that's a cover, another cover story, you know, according to you now, if he <laughs> directly participated. I heard, I don't know, that he even supposedly participated in the Patriot Act, you know, and I'm like, like yep. no, like, are you for real? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he he was like a primary author on a lot of that legislation. Like, he was the mastermind behind a lot of the worst policies in America. In America, but when you compare it to a, like a dog bag on shit, in a lot of people's mind, because either you were very much for Trump or you were very much against him. I think it was a very dividing kind of person. Um, and now we're at a point like my brother; he's he's a Democrat. I'm not. I'm a registered independent, and I'm pretty apolitical at this point. But um, he was like Joe Biden was my 22nd pick. Like Andrew Yang, there were so many better right. options. But it's like, well, this is what the machine has put forward and, you know, submit to the machine. Welcome to the machine kind of thing. And just, it's tricky times. I'm not that happy. I'm not, I mean, I, I'm and not just that on the face of it. And for both of you, just as a very, you know, without getting into details, because there's lots of, you know, indications in all directions. But just from your gut feeling, is this like a legitimate, is this like a real president? Because I don't, I don't really don't get the feeling. Well, I mean, he's, they've rigged the primary, and so the, his his nomination was illegitimate in the beginning. So that's why it's yeah, like, let's start there, right? There. <laughs> like, the whole, and he didn't campaign. Like the, the whole thing, dude. Like the, it was like I saw this thing from a mile away. Like a, a big part of the, big, like Joe Biden was a big part of the reason that Obama sucked so much. <laughs> like. Obama was like had his own reasons for being terrible, but Joe Biden was a big part of it. <laughs> like, like even in 2010 when they're 2009 when they were doing healthcare, like Joe Biden was the one that was like, no, you can't do the public option. <laughs> like, you can't even ha- have a public option. Like, I don't know. He's just like his main cry- credential that they're always talking about how great he is is working across the aisle, and it's like. Well, but what if for politicians come he has to do? Yeah, well, right, exactly. He, yeah, he's definitely a he's the, he's like the textbook definition of a politician, which is like kicking the public in the face just for votes. Like I don't know. <laughs> so I mean, given the situation now, looks kind of weird. Your book, what's it called? Where do you see things headed? 
because I think you call yourself a techno utopianist or something. Like, how, what are the philosophies splitting into this? What do you? How, what was the process like writing seven hundred pages as a fucking Harry Potter book or two? So it's like, <laughs> what what are you doing? Well, yeah. So it, I I called an evolutionary techno utopian manifesto because I'm trying to um, I'm trying to ex, uh, explore or explain uh, the fact that technology is evolving at an accelerating pace and that our ideology is still um is obsolete because we're our our technological infrastructure the hardware of our culture and is is accelerating so quickly but the software is not accelerating you know it's not evolving fast enough and so that's part of what i mean um so i'm trying to I'm trying to explore all these various dimensions of civilization and uh, and figure out like, okay, well, how did it get to be the way that it is now? And then with that understanding, trying to imagine where it should go in the future, so that we're so that because I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people just see the status quo as just like you know, it is how it is what it is. I, my my dad always used to say it'll uh, things will have always been like that and they will always be like that and i was like uh, that was always like the most frustrating thing that he would say i i've i've i think i've convinced him because he's read a lot of the book that 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 and he doesn't say that so much anymore but like i i i really i think that i think most people conceptualize the way things are as just more or less the way they've always been and things don't change and and I feel like that's part of our paralysis as a culture is because people have just been trained to accept the way things are and rather than um, imagine the way things could be different in fundamental ways, like that would be better than what we have. I don't know. It's like they say, it's like they act like any, you know, utopian visionary is like um, completely naive. And I mean, I just it's like John I, Lennon's imagine. I think that you idealists project into a future that doesn't yet exist, but we're moving towards if we are aware that it's an option. Right. So, you know, it's like maybe it's naive in a sense, like the dreamer's disease, but it's like we need dreamers and poets to make art that inspires us to move towards our better angels, as Joe keeps saying. Exactly. I love that. Definitely. Yeah, no. It, and because, I mean, I, evolution is I, I i i love evolution it's it's uh it's amazing that this to to conceptualize the whole that everything that exists like you know evolved over billions of years into the to be all these molecules you know have been resituating themselves for billions of years and then to to put be put together the way they are now and then to to put to put together a species which you know has opposable thumbs and can or sorry first of all could um will stand upright and then evolve opposable thumbs to which with which to create technology um which then you know manifested only a couple only a Dude, the, the the amount of time between the 
Cambrian explosion, the beginning of, you know, the, or, you know like it was the, the invention of sex or whatever, about a billion years ago, when almost all, when the whole, all the biodiversity on earth was kind of unleashed by this, this new technology of um, sex. And that, that billion years up until creating anatom anatomically modern humans, it, like um, 300,000 years ago to like, and then inventing a language probably 50,000 years ago or whatever. And then it, it's just like, and then, um, and then so you're sold on the Darwinian model. I, I'm curious. Raphael's very much not on it. I'm, Oh, I've lived and, you know, learned it and I, I presume it, but I'm willing to admit that maybe the same kind of manipulation that's happened in terms of, you know, social structures and stuff has also to do with gatekeeping and knowledge. Rafa has very, you know, reasons. Well, let me just, you go for it. without getting into, like, the historical thing, again, the reference, the great one is just, you know, mud flood resets and Tartaria. Great stuff to look into. But in terms of techno-utopianism, the way I see it, and this even in strange ways relates back to all kinds of supposed bad, you know, conspiracy theories or whatever, but, you know, it's common themes. So this is reading from uh, Ra's Law of One, just one... Uh, question which is about energy and a certain kind of craft and here the questioner asks wouldn't this type of craft totally solve or come close to solving a lot of the energy problems as far as transport goes that we used to transporting and then it's inaudible whatever he's asking about transportation and uh, then ra gives the answer i am ra the technology your peoples possess at this time is capable of resolving each and every limitation which plagues your social memory complex at this present nexus of experience. However, the concerns of some of your beings with distortions towards what you would call powerful energy cause these solutions to be withheld until the solutions are so needed that those with the distortion can then become further distorted in the direction of power. Make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, that's uh, an an uh, an unfortunate uh, gotcha checkmate sort of potential scenario. Well, you've always struck um, me as more of a reductionist than materialist, even though you're spiritually minded in terms of idealism. You didn't seem to be like I talked to the Pleiadians or anything like that. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that you're kind of like, you know, impressed. I guess you could say with like naturalism and the evolution therein. And I'm not even saying I disagree with it. Um, because I think it's fascinating if it's, you know, what, are we in a multiverse where that's the well, case? I could just ask a simple question just because it's a popular theory, not saying that one has to be true or the other, but have you looked into the whole idea of, you know, just alien genetic manipulation, hybridization, and the human species as a, let's say, version 5, apparently, of a genetic experiment, which, again, I would like to mention, spiritually is resolved through the idea that the one is all and the all are one, so there is no inferiority or superiority complex here, in my understanding, but at least to me that theory is equally exciting, and just looking at the gaps in evolution, I just can't get my head around having a Darwinian model fit, that's my kind of issue with it. Right, yeah, um, I mean, yeah, there are gaps, but I, by gaps, I guess, do you mean like they, where they haven't fully accounted for the origination of human consciousness, I guess? Um, like, because um, I, 
I think that that's because of the that's because been because of the prohibition on psychedelics because I think that all of academia has been barred from exploring the potential um inf, you know McKenna's stone stone ape hypothesis um and so I feel like that that's part of why evolutionary mainstream evolutionary theory is um it's inadequate to explain that one thing yeah <laughs> I mean, uh, lots of crick were on acid when they found the double helix of DNA, so it's like, it, it right, has right. affected things, but I think, I don't know, it seems kind of like scientism in a sense, because we've had Rupert Sheldrake on uh, the podcast, and he has a band TED Talk where he's kind of like, there's some dogmatic kind of approaches that if you don't believe these presuppositions in terms of like, all that there is is all you can see, metaphysics don't exist, you know, like there's certain constants they don't change. Or there's many, I forget them all. There's ten. And just axioms. briefly, without being an expert on it in terms of evolution, there's a few things to say. But simply put, if you would say there's always a gradual change, which would be the study, and there is an aspect of this. You know, you can breed dogs and so on. They change color, they change size, and so on. That's obvious, right? No one is debating that. But the idea would be, for example, there's certain birds like who have really complicated, like it's not beaks, I guess. And you could never imagine them evolving there over time. This kind of like has to be spontaneous or they would be, you know, like generations would be useless and they would be dying because they can't even eat, you know, kind of what I'm saying. And there is, uh, as I understand, quite a few examples of that. And I can't explain the mechanism for sure. And I don't know, but that more points towards spontaneous, kind of spontaneous shifts in evolution. Um, yeah, that's my view. Right. Um I don't know. I guess I just, because the environments change over time too. So that's part of why different features are selected for over time and evolve into these um, strange uh, varieties because of their, there's just such a wide range of environments that they could have, you know, been, um, you know, secluded into you know like like for example after um the last mass extinction event 65 million years ago when the dinosaurs died there um i was reading an article about it a while ago that um that actually there was rapid speciation right after the mass extinction event because there were all there were all these um environmental niches that were basically vacated by by the ex extinct species so and then and and also the the if it was an asteroid impact or whatever the, whatever change in the environment like cut off like split populations of species into very into you know geographically diverse you know situations and so they you know kind of rapidly um developed traits that made them you know unable to breed with each other because they were just because they existed you know 100 miles away or whatever and so like i know it's just fascinating how this article was talking about how like each of the five mass extinction events that have happened before because right now we're in the sixth each of the five mass extinction events it's you know over you know like most of them over 75 percent of the species on the planet went extinct <laughs> like and so right after that then it there were all these different you know spaces you know in the ecosystem for like uh, where each different animal was like under was under different environmental selection pressures and so like 
each so when i'm whenever i get real uh doomerish about the you know potential you know like if we don't the meek do will s- inherit the earth there'll still be a tribe in antarctica that, or not antarctica but like uh, <laughs> right. that, like survive it all probably, yeah Right, like, and so that, like, oh man, if even I guess if this, if, if we don't get this under control, and and human civilization manages to wipe out fucking like half of the species on Earth, then you know maybe something after, <laughs> something after will, you know, blossom into even more sophisticated and nuanced and complex and beautiful different life forms. After <laughs> that seems to be the nature of the beast. It's funny <laughs> because what you're talking about, my brother. I don't. I mean, I've read some good. uh like the, um, I think it's Yuval Harari had a good book on kind of evolution. I'm not, I'm not all about it or against it. I'm kind of like, I don't know. Uh, it seems like there's enough evidence to suggest that's the mainstream model, but then mainstream models are usually allowed, you know, pushed. Let's just put it that way. Uh, kind of like capitalism is pushed, but, you know, and, and we're made to think any other options like retarded or whatever. So uh, maybe there's other options. But my brother was reading something to me or telling me something the other day where it was like a bird like a bird base i forget the situation but basically this bird group got cut off from itself um maybe it was like an island or something weird happened but i i can't remember the, maybe i want to say like a mountain grew up but that doesn't seem right because i don't know if they would have survived point is they came to a place where basically they separated and like um on the other side of the mountain they ended up meeting up eventually and they had like you're saying like their species had changed so much they didn't even know how to communicate with each other or mate even though they're basically the same kind of bird. So right. it's like once you start having those kinds of pressures, you have a lot of variety pop up pretty quickly. Um, it's just like when you cut down a redwood, you know, or, or a big, not hopefully not a redwood, but like a tree, like a big tree, and all the life that springs up from underneath that or on the seafloor. So a whale dies, look at all those fucking eels eating or whatever. Um, life finds a way, as they say. But it's funny that you're saying this because I'm not like 100% on board on this theory at all, but um, I just read somebody had posted something to the effect of talking about dinosaurs and extinction, basically getting into like, this gets into woo, really fast starseed kind of stuff, but basically like builder races were trying to create the conditions in the species. Like this is a very dynamic environment at Earth. And in order for their, you know, basically... I mean, I'm not sure if I believe this, like I said, but uh, reptoids, like what you don't believe in, uh, were like, yeah, we could supply some of the DNA to some of these creatures, i.e. dinosaurs, and make them pop. That's going to be a pretty robust, diverse, um, you know, uh, aggressive and like, you know, survival. Very, It can survive quite a bit. Um, and then at some point they got the kind of few samples they wanted and then they were the ones that wiped out with like a radiation bomb <laughs> all the dinosaurs. I thought that was kind of an interesting theory, not saying I believe it or not, but it seems that we live in a very complicated world and it's probably more weird than we think, especially given, you know, quantum mechanics and all the things we're starting to become aware of at a popular level, let alone what fucking governments and, you know, is under the Vatican and stuff like that. Yeah, maybe just to give it a generalized uh, bias in a sense that I have and openly declare, uh, especially also given your awareness, you know, of the inherent issues with, you know, capitalism and the power plays. I've just really gotten to the point of with every theory that's presented, especially if it's something that I cannot easily and readily verify through my own experience, then I really got to ask the question, who benefits from this story and who would benefit in particular if it was usually it's partially a hoax or completely or some misattribution included with it or, you know, there's some 
secret background theory that's maybe useful, but the main th stuff is just useless and misleading, you know, and filtering through that because I guess, I mean, I guess you even mentioned kind of also the conjunction between, of course, business interest or just power interest in universities. I always like to mention the takeover of the American Medical Association by the then Robber Barons, Rockefeller, and others um, who basically funded universities and then made sure that no one's ever going to talk bad about them. And every and after they sold, I guess, uh, all the opium to China, now made sure that they can sell it internally to America. And it's even legal and paid for by insurance and all of that, you know. And that just, as I discovered, and I was kind of surprised at some point as well, that I found that to run deeper than I initially suspected, let's say. Yeah, there you are. Right. Yeah. I feel like that's one of the things that I feel like, I feel like it's so fascinating because a lot of, I feel like a lot of, I just feel like there's so much disinformation out there now that has been specifically, I, I feel like they figured out that like, they were like with the internet, you know, we're not going to be able to just, you know, keep the truth, you know, totally hidden anymore. Yeah, and so diluted. they decided, yes, exactly. Just, just put, if, just put it about, put a, a bunch of, uh, a confusing shit that, you know, it, that makes it seem like, oh, this is the real unvarnished truth, you know, that they're trying to hide from you. And, and if it's I hadn't like, met but, DMT fucking entities, uh, like Egyptian deities, I'd be a lot less credulous into thinking that these were options but having had really weird psychedelic experiences i think it, the rabbit hole goes pretty deep but we tend to live in a very specifically governed consciousness vibration with like you know consumerism and like you know soda and meat and all these kinds of things i'm not going to push veganism on you or anything but it's like like mckenna's like you know these things are conscious like mind-altering substance like tobacco alcohol that's okay do that all day we want you to kind of like feel these things but to not open your third eye or whatever um anyway it's tricky and it, in a multiverse which Raphael believes in i mean i'm not against it but i'm like maybe there's a universe in which some of these things are true and they bleed in occasionally i'm not sure how it all works yeah i really have wondered that about the multiverse thing and whether i mean it definitely seems uh plausible but i i asked i asked bruce damer one time he's a he's a like life scientists who um you know has a theory about the um about the origin of life <laughs> in like uh i'm not going to try to give his ver you know version or whatever but at one point i asked him um uh whether the multiverse theory is um fundamentally unfalsifiable and he and he and he, he like smiled and nodded and he was like yep <laughs> i was like well but but it's but it is cool to think about huh and he was like he was like yeah it is <laughs> it's funny that you say that because i'm reading the deathly hallows i've been reading the harry potter series with my fiance more deathly hallows and there's this scene where basically they're talking about the the, the hallows which are like kind of the i don't know if you're into harry potter but the wand and there's in the cape and the stone and hermione's like that shit's fake like she's very virgoan and very practical and like academic and she's like there's no like you were saying there's like no way to prove something doesn't exist and the guy's like well now you're starting to open your mind because at least that gets you into territory where it's like anything's possible right including right. things you can't verify or falsify um and but that to be that's tricky go ahead 
to be Virgon and practical, uh, Neon, I still have to ask if you have looked at some channeled material in particular. Again, the movie by Daryl Anka and Bashar, First Contact, even just to get a few visuals and get some impression of a, I would say, techno-utopia, but in a you know, nice hybridized sense, truly in many different ways, including this idea of a true reconnection to nature and self-realization as, you know, empowered entities that can live in love and joy and excitement, and including, you know, just as I would call it, smart technology. And of course, the whole, let's say, conspiracy line, which again is not such a great conspiracy. I could even give you concrete examples of all kinds of technology that had been hidden, as it was explained in Ra's quote just now as well. If we would just release some of that more, because our consciousness shifts, then already we would be at such a high degree of effectiveness or even stop, you know, abusing or each other and wasting resources deliberately. We have so much that it's very simple for us, I would say, in terms of resources and technology to create any like really great utopia and you know, also where we don't get irradiated with too much EMF and all of that, which we just don't need. I'm not sure how much you're into those things or what your projections are on, on these levels. I just, again, see that oftentimes they try to sell you like a bad version of the really good future everyone feels in their heart. And then they tell you, oh, you can have like 5% of that. But by the way, you got to upload yourself or, you know, chip yourself or whatever, whilst all of these things and more would be possible through a natural route or really unobtrusive through really smart technology, where we would get even more benefits potentially, because it would just be, you know, more like a, how should I say, crystal-based plasma, I mean, already now it's crystal-based, but plasma-conscious type uh, technology we could interact with. However, that again would require us to probably stretch our senses to realize that the world fundamentally is not only material. Right. Well, um, yeah, I mean, it's funny. I feel like that scenario that you um, <laughs> uh, paint reminded me of this show that we've been watching upload. <laughs> and it's funny. It's, it's like a, it's like a satire on, um, you know, a situation where there's a company that, um, that, um, that like sells basic that like basically literally sells the afterlife like so that people can upload the and but they have to have family members who are rich enough to continue to pay the bill <laughs> so for for them to continue to still exist hosting fee that's awesome <laughs> yeah exactly for your consciousness One thing scary uh i heard a guy who's actually on um it's the third episode out of midnight gospel um his name is damien eccles he's kind of a magician type dude who was in prison anyway if you ever watch yeah um, actually Netflix, i did yeah yeah i remember that episode that was a great conversation up, yeah yeah really cool stuff so i've been tuning into his youtube and stuff and on one day he was just talking to people about like biblical symbolism and you know whatever how to make sigils whatever the fuck he talks about um and he was started getting off into like the I'm, reason I'm, go ahead i make sigils but go on uh, but we'll go back to you can, I'll come okay, back to that. magic's yeah. crazy yeah you can probably like the mean um echoes stuff but uh, totally. Totally. he was kind of saying that basically there's and this gets into like well hyper weird woo shit. Um, there's kind of I don't know if it was something like 4D. I don't really want to get into that like that. But it's like people in Egypt would realize that if you kept on like this is why you leave like food out for like family members and all this shit. It's like you really like if people give you loosh in certain ways, like you can feed off of it almost like a vampire. Like basically, he was getting into like mummies and those like those 
the whole priest class and stuff of uh, Egypt as vamp- vampires and their coffins and everything, and they can like go through portals and like come in and you know get the energy they need, not like they're digesting it, but almost like a spirited away kind of thing. Um, anyway, I found that kind of amusing. I don't know why I'm saying it. Uh, I guess because you guys are saying talking about like people paying for the bill. It's like that's kind of what people were doing in Egypt. They're like, we're gonna keep paying the bill and bring you like food and beer and all sorts of weird shit. And they're like, um, and the real like issue I got yeah. just to bring it back, maybe again, we're going practicality in this world. The issue is we're already paying hosting fees, property tax, as I understand, federal income tax is completely un- unconstitutional by itself, and many many other layers. Where already we're inside such a system, and we're but we now standing just... army to take over other countries and their resources. There are no others, I guess. <laughs> I know. I'm on your wave. I, I, all these things are starting to crumble. And there's. it's funny because in the weird way, I think the internet is, in a Marshall McLuhan sense, an extension of the nervous system. And now, like, the brain is exploring itself in its many weird varieties. So people's fears, people's projections, people's hopes, all sorts of stuff. And then you get that combined. It's not like it's a free fucking open source thing. At this point, it's like guard kept by Zuckerbergs and whomever, right? So it's funny. We're being... For being uh, engineered, you could say, through our own exploration and what we've perceived to be freedom in a capitalist system, but then nudged in certain ways. Um, it's really interesting. I mean, I don't know if you guys, there's a Netflix movie called uh, the, the Great Hack, I think it was called, talking about the original Trump election and how he only won by a slight margin in a few places because of advertising through Facebook. And that ultimately, you know, kind of pushed the thing into a direction it went. So we're being, I mean, in a weird way, it's very much like Dark City. I feel like lab rats in a way, but but because the prison food's so good, we tend not to bitch about it. Wow. Damn, that was well put. <laughs> um, I'm a double Gemini, but I can't. <laughs> because, yeah, in the, I highly recommend this show. It's, on, it's an Amazon show called Upload because it's super interesting because even in this cyberspace that, um people are uploading to there's a class system there's a gated community you know resort and then there's a ghetto and like you know like how tupac said i wonder if heaven got a ghetto well yeah if the if you only pay <laughs> 399 a month you're going to the 399 a month area right dollars a month exactly that's such shit and that's it's weird because one would think and as an age of you know the age of aquarius whatever one would think that we're entering a place where people realize that open source egalitarianism you know like all this kind of stuff like we have the potential to really have heaven on earth at this point i mean it's been hard and most of the time we've had to band together and there's been assholes leading you know it's weird because we were talking about earlier um the reason that like kind of we have the world we have today is because the medicis and banking allowed loans to happen in the middle ages so they could have build cathedrals on you know on money they didn't have because usually you know it's like we don't have the funds it's like well if you take out a million dollar loan all of a sudden you can so it like bolstered economies but then it became feedback loops into itself which is kind of crazy medusing um anyway we could i'm i'm bummed that like it seems that the real revolutionaries are like silenced i mean snowden was cool but that wasn't it's he's more just like lifting a veil as opposed to doing anything about it if that makes sense he's like you guys think you're in you're you know you're in bed and it's safe it's like actually the monsters like all around you um i don't know how you guys feel about assange um because i've heard that could be a psyop and all sorts of stuff what's not a psyop at this point is kind of where i'm at um and it seems the people that would do the most 
like, even the guy who came up with Reddit got like killed himself or, or something weird like that. Um, it seems like the people who can do the most get like sidelined pretty hard, and then basically, you know, cronyism Jim, very briefly puts, pushes it. And I'm not saying that this is always the case and always follows the same script, but in a sense, I'm about to say, do you remember the story of your savior and how he was treated and what happened to him? And, you know, not everyone who gets demonized must be in that position, but upon closer inspection, as I understand, at least with uh, WikiLeaks, pretty much nothing has ever been proven wrong. And many things in a sense have been revealed ahead of time and only got confirmed publicly after a long process, just because people had to get over the cognitive dissonance and media bias to even start thinking about all kinds of things. So, yeah, I mean, everyone got to make up their own minds, right? Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I would imagine that the, you know, I, I that there would be a, a deliberate psyop to slander the reputation of the greatest journalist in the world. Um, because I feel like if, you know, he, and it, it's, it's amazing that, but cause you're right that it's interesting between uh, Snowden and Assange, they, they each unveiled these things that Americans like, um, should, they should have, changed something i feel like both of especially snowden i feel like he thought okay i'm gonna i'm gonna disclose this and then like i've, I've watched a bunch of interviews with snowden and he he, he says the phrase um blowing the blowing the whistle is like lighting a match and burning your life to the ground <laughs> so like that's how because he wrote a book from his from fucking exile um like he's like he can't come to america and i mean and i i don't it's it's kind of shocking how little the journal how few journalists are standing up for julian assange because i I feel like a big part of it is that like a lot of the at least the mainstream media like just hates donald trump so much that they hated that wikileaks published all those corrupt clinton campaign shit well clearly they're like don't hit our team <laughs> right <laughs> like fuck that we're not even gonna listen to this static it's weird because i think the snowden stuff made people go it didn't make us act i mean most people myself included haven't stopped using facebook and all this. it's like mostly just like oh i knew it was that bad it's more right. of a verification as opposed to a call to a new action i don't really know i mean he kind of did a little i guess in terms of telling people to like you know put a piece of tape over your camera or whatever little things but it's like just to drop the next layer of that paranoia um neon are you aware of millie weaver's documentary she's a former alex jones reporter who now apparently trips her up at uh, demonstrations or something i don't know the details but anyways documentary called shadowgate and she was immediately arrested um also that seemed to have some effects there's a great interview with her and dark journalist whom i recommend overall he's like a ufo investigator and yeah historical and present time and shadowgate just describes basically how apparently a few traders u.s generals and uh, intelligence people sold out a system for surveillance that whilst it was recommended to be built very specifically was actually geared towards dragnet which the you know main guys back then actually advised against but it was weaponized and then sold privately and yeah is probably being used by companies like BlackRock and so on, basically.
<laughs> and can spy on literally anything and potentially even may have a bit to bit copy of everything you know so yeah pretty cool story and pretty pretty cool reporting and great uh, witnesses as well nice yeah i'll look into that it might not be a conspiracy i mean i don't know sometimes conspiracy theories are so disempowering i i'm not a flat earther i just sent this to rafael the other day and my fiance because i'm like i'm not a flat earther we've had flat earthers on here i've always been like that seems preposterous but hey i'm open-minded nothing is certain i guess you could say in a multiverse or a hologram fractal thing or whatever um and this guy put forth enough cogent data where i'm like I, I'm not a flat earther, but damn, it seems like more plausible than not now. And I'm just like, The fuck. issue, let me just put it here. And maybe, Neon, of course, I want to know what you think. But my issue oftentimes is with these all kinds of models, even when we're discussing it here, that one then quickly shifts to what is called junk conspiracy, as Dark Journalist calls it. So like extreme versions that may still be true sometimes, you know, but usually are deliberately so far out that they're hard to grasp. And then it's okay, either go with the official narrative or take the super crazy ass version. Um, and then people just revert back to the main story. And what I would always like is people just to look at the models and with every model, just say, okay, here it fits and here and here it doesn't. And what I just realized is that pretty much all models presented, just like we talked about capitalism earlier, they are uh, not, they are just not fulfilling the conditions in terms of being proper models. And then I look at other models and I see, well, at least they have more, fit more or fit in different ways. And just as you said today already, not throwing out the baby with the bathwater or the baby Jesus, to me, seems more relevant than ever. And to me, also seems the only way to really synthesize a worldview. But what do you think about that, Neon? Maybe I'm um, so I'm sorry. Can you um, can you um, say that one more time? I kind of I, I uh I'm not exactly clear on the question. Out of space. No, basically, I'm asking in terms of synthesizing worldviews because I too oftentimes find that people right. are either completely pro or against whatever Q pro or against a politician or a party or an ideology and don't take the time to look at it and see oh these parts are useful these parts I agree with more or less. And let's synthesize something new. I mean, how else to progress this black and white is to me never worked, you know? Right, right, exactly. And I, I, had, a, I had a philosophy professor one time that said um, that, that philosophy is it, what it, it trains you to adjudicate between um, internally coherent, but mutually contradictory worldviews. So it's like every every philosopher, you know, has, you know, most, I mean, unless somebody's just being incoherent, you know, or whatever, and then they usually don't right. get famous as a philosopher, but so like each... naked in a barrel were in a long way. <laughs> <laughs> like, Fuck y'all. This sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I, 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 I have never come across anyone who I believe to be right about everything. <laughs> like there just is no one. It's like, Spoiler, I just, I they don't exist <laughs> right <laughs> i don't even think ai would do that right totally yeah so i yeah definitely i i think we're we're uh, left to um we're left with our own uh, critical thinking skills i suppose because yeah like you said all sources of authority have discredited themselves and so there, there's no 
way to, you know, just trust somebody because they're from some organization or have some credential or something, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know. And I'd say that's great progress, no? At least. Yes, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> totally. People have to be burned at the stake to get here. Right. <laughs> totally. So where do you see, where do you want to see things going? When you say you're a techno utopian, like, do you want AI in our, you were talking about cochlear kind of evolution. Like, do you want to upload your consciousness into the cloud? Like, what are your thoughts? Where do you want to go? Yeah. I mean, I am a, I do like the idea of some potential version of an upload scenario because I see that as um, it could potentially open up so many different, like, I just, I, and I think part of, part of it is, well, so the part of it is on the social level, like the acknowledgement that we have the technology to feed and house everyone and whatever. Um, <clears throat> but then also like those things about uploading, just cause I, you know, things like eating and sleeping and various stuff like that. It's like, it, I mean, yeah, we're, we're, that's just part of life or whatever, as we know it. But I, I, I can foresee a scenario wherein, you know, like this, this, this show upload that we've been watching is definitely a, a it's a dystopian, um, you know, warning about a way that this, this upload shit could go, you know, like, and so part of my thesis in my book is that like, we got to get to dealing with the social level shit so that, when AI, it's, it, it's not, it doesn't become, you know, the the death of us, I guess, basically. Like, we gotta, I, like, because I, I am imagining that the AI will get to a point where it stops listening to humans, where it stops taking our instructions. And Which so, is like Prometheus, I don't know if you <laughs> saw that show, where it's like, David's like, who created you? I know. It's like, wait a second. You're a church, you monkey. <laughs> right. Yeah. Dude, Prometheus is awesome. Um, but yeah. And so I think that, you know, it's going to calculate, there's going to come a time when the AI and, and I, I'm, I'm a believer in uh, the single, the, the singleton hypothesis by Nick, Nick Bostrom uh, at the, um, at Oxford or yeah. Um, and he, where he basically argues that when strong AI happens, um, it will it will figure out a way to prevent other alternative strong AIs from coming into existence. And so it once like hyper Darwinianism in that level, right, right, right. And so exactly so that, and so that's why all these companies like you know Facebook and Google and you know all all these companies companies are racing to be that first company who we need you know, the alphabet right exactly because it's like the ultimate first mover advantage <laughs> because they, you could put it in just for clarification very briefly what do you think about the consideration that this view about the self-understanding of ai and how it would act is merely a projection of the scientist's fears and own let's say egoic faults onto this deified idea of a strong ai right i mean yeah that def definitely seems like a reasonable assumption i mean i guess it's similar to our conceptions of god really because it's confined to the limits of our imagination he's wrathful and he's gonna kill all the i have no other gods before me is that the line <laughs> exactly <laughs> 
Damn it, number one. It's like, hey, there's there's a winner and the other one's losers, I guess. Um, (laughs) So you do want to upload yourself? I mean, it sounds like you're more okay with the transhumanist kind of mode. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's like the it's hard to judge it by based on the way the technology is now. You know, like because for example, it's like, um, I don't know. I I just feel like while it's less expansive than it's than than regular human life then it's it's hard to imagine it being an appealing option but i mean and also i guess i just part of a big part of it is i'm I, you know there the, and maybe it's just from the catholic programming that told me as a child that i don't have to die you know that i i don't want to i would rather not can i just ask um because i totally agree with you in many in terms of feeling let's say um, but what about like let's say pretty decent life extension within the human body recognizing that actually as the most superior technology we have especially with epigenetics and let's say s- stop engaging in a culture that's like built to basically destroy the human system in many different ways and suppress it um so how about that like pretty decent life extension and perfect health if we add some tech to that just rejuvenation and uh, let's say self-healing activation and self-generation of stem cells for example consuming carbon 60 oil um, simple and seems also to uh, originate stem cells um, without you know needing to harvest them from anyone or anybody it's just carbon that you're consuming Um, so stuff like that and then the idea that everything I could ever get from a VR or upload I'm totally getting number one, if we manage to shift on this earth to whatever fourth density exactly is. And then most certainly, as soon as I choose to leave the physical vessel, anyhow, your soul is immortal, right? I mean, that's also a thing that Christianity, I think, uh, you know, axed at some point, the idea of reincarnation. But what about that? Or how do you reconcile that? Or how do you then see, let's say, a desire to move in one direction or another because i would be totally on your with you and like pushing for i don't know the stronger supercomputer where i can finally be the chatbot me but since i realized that anyhow i'm internally in the astral and so on i don't really care right yeah i mean that makes sense i guess um my my uh affinity for the fantasy of a of a uh you know, plausible upload, uploadability of my consciousness into a computer cloud, whatever, is kind of kind of based on my, I guess, skepticism or or lack of faith, I guess, in 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 that, in in the immortality of the soul. I've, I've, nice. I've, okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it makes sense if you don't believe it. Why would you? I mean, that's the whole. If people don't believe. If, in metaphysical presuppositions. Well, thanks for being honest, but it's just yeah. important to know these details, you know, so one understands the movement. Totally. I mean, if I thought I, this was a one-shot deal, I'd be fucking doing all sorts of crazy Gattaca shit. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm. I really do think that like this life is all. This is potentially, at least potentially, all we get, and so it's like I I want to optimize the way the the civilization such that it would improve the lives of every, everyone in the, on the planet. Like, just cause I feel like I, there's no guarantee 
necessarily i don't know i mean and it, well, I, with or without guarantee just let me say i come i think both jim and i uh, completely agree with that statement anyhow no jim oh yeah let's upgrade the bitch all hold hands kumbaya this shit chakras all the way up you know but <laughs> i mean i i can't be an atheist personally i've seen too much um in terms of just design uh, and i'm not the saying you're an atheist but i've never been a material reductionist that is a level of it but who's to say we're not spirit experiencing the illusion of materiality, right? Like it gets tricky, especially having broken through on DMT and gone to other, you know, astral projected sober and done weird shit. It's like, this is not what the fucking school and church tell you it is necessarily. Right. Oh yeah. No, I mean, that's definitely, I'm very, uh, I'm sympathetic to that. Um, the, uh, have you ever done ayahuasca? Yeah. What was your experience? Like, I have not, but I mean, I would imagine these things would lean one to more metaphysicalized reality tunnels, but maybe I'm wrong. Right. Yeah, no, definitely. And, uh, I mean, it's the mainframe. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I, I, I really went into it with the, cause I had a lot of friends who were like, no, no, this is a God, this goddess, you could talk to her. And I, so I went into it with a, as open mind as possible. And it was, I mean, I had great visions, but I, I, I it wasn't quite, it, like you said, you've seen too much to be an atheist. It wasn't enough. It wasn't quite enough for me to not be able to imagine that it was my own brain doing, doing acrobatics tricks to show, to entertain itself. You know, even the gravity extra- of your rational planet didn't loosen to the point where you lost contact with the ground. It's got to be like, <laughs> Mm-hmm. what was your experience like i mean i know you think it was mental acrobatics but were you having like epiphanies or spirit guides or yeah 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 i specifically went into it trying to figure out the origin of human consciousness like you were talking about earlier whether like was it was it mushrooms or aliens like because that's that's been a big debate in my life and trying to and trying to understand the world and um and so i kind of went into it, that whole entire experience trying to ask the or you know the the oracle or whatever you know the goddess like which was it <laughs> and the high they, priestess card you were asking the high priestess there you go <laughs> exactly and i had this whole vision of like this uh, of a of another intelligent civilization somewhere else in our galaxy like um seeing that we were like you know ready and kind of like launching some mushroom spores up and up onto a meteor that it it had calculated was on pace to was on in a trajectory that would it would make contact with earth and so i like i had this whole this this whole vision of like you know it's almost kind of like you like star trek i was envisioning this you know alien star trek civilization you know type civilization um like launching basically like depositing the mushroom spores onto the planet and and which is very plausible mckenna was all about that i mean mushrooms can go through the vacuum of space Totally. I know. I got home and looked it up. I was like, "Wait, is that?" And then, yeah, like, yes, yep. yeah, this is a thing. You have the vision of the how it goes down, and you're just doubting it because you're too rational. Because <laughs> the problem with reason is it can be self-refuting. You can get logic and then create paradox, and then you're stuck. So, in some sense, it's like logic and reason are beautiful and eloquent to a point, 
um, you know, just like faith and intuition are beautiful to a point. You don't want to be so open your the wind blows through your head, like McKenna would say. But at the same time, you know, it's tricky. I don't, did you feel like that was a vision of like how things are? I mean, when you said like the craziness of your brain, did you feel like it was a download or however you put it? I mean, yeah, potentially. I I definitely felt like. I mean, it felt like this was a transmission. From the goddess that this is this happened i mean and afterwards since i've I've, i mean who knows if it's who knows if that is real or whatever but that i i really just i wrote a whole i wrote like six pages you know once i came down and everybody else was kind of still still in their trips and i was like sitting there fucking writing trying to trying to trying to record this the this ineffable story or whatever like trying to is that in your book yeah yeah, nice. there's a yeah, there's an essay in my book called "A Mystical Vision of Panspermia" about um, what I saw and what I interpreted from it. Basically, I I kind of interpreted it as like this the this message that it that it that you know that the mushrooms are the the thing that may, even whether or not they're actually technically extraterrestrial they're still the thing that is underwriting the entire ecosystem of the earth so it got me i don't know i guess i it it helped me to appreciate the general i don't know i just i i guess it, it, it somehow managed to get i don't know if i was just pre you know had pre go you know biases going into it towards the turns towards the stone ape hypothesis version so it was colored more towards that or whatever but well at least right I mean, it's not it's it's a color in the crayons you were playing with but, but like when i blasted off into dmt i talked to egyptian deities and had a kundalini awakening all sorts of crazy shit i didn't i'm not an egyptologist i'm not sitting around with like little sphinxes in my room you know or whatever so it's like uh it's weird what we and and i just i've been um uh, you know, with Netflix and this lockdown and stuff, I've been watching shows and I just watched a uh, Star Trek The Next Generation episode from back in my childhood. But um, it was, t- they went like 100 million light years randomly because of some fluke. And then they were in this dimension where it's like thought became reality. And there's this guy's from the future, basically. He calls himself a traveler, Raphael. I thought that was rather telling. Um, he's like, I'm a traveler, which is like, you know, kind of like Law of Law of One slash Emerald Tablets traveler type. And he's like, you guys don't really, you're not yet in your evolutionary point where you can grok that time, space, and I thought are the same fucking thing. And it's not, you know, you're, you're just not there yet. But um, people were like, kind of, they'd let their subconscious mind, like, influence their reality to the point that, like, they would have open-eyed hallucinations. Kind of like, um, uh, there's a movie, I forget what it's called, um, Event Horizon. Where basically a spaceship goes through a black hole, comes back from hell, quote unquote, and anybody on there has like open eyed visions of like their worst nightmares. Interesting uh, thriller. If you, it's got um, Jurassic Park dude and also Morpheus, I think was in it and stuff. But um, anyway, we probably have a lot more. I mean, on the one hand, just because your mind influences something doesn't refute. I guess something that I've always wondered for a long time was like, what's the substrate of reality? Is there a democratized kind of substrate that we can all say is objectively true? I don't even know if that exists. Basically, science wants you to think certain things, but like when you get down to the fundamentals of the models of science, it's like mostly vacuumous space, non-dark matter, whatever. Like they don't have answers. Their model, you know, that we've had on um, the Sim Harriman's uh, understudied um, 
come on the podcast and he's going to come back on. I'm forgetting his name. Uh, Jamie Janover. He was on the other day. Love that guy. Oh uh, yeah, he's, he, we talked about his dulcimer mostly and stuff. But we're gonna get—I'm gonna get him on Pi Day because he's all about circles, <laughs> and we're gonna talk about the Nassim Harriman kind of thing. I'm not saying that's true necessarily. There's a lot of presuppositions there, but it seems the more that we develop as a species, the more we are realizing the models. It's almost like um, you know Pong versus whatever Halo Twenty or whatever we're on now, or you know Grand Theft Auto. It's like we're moving forward at such a rate that even the ideas are are reevaluating themselves, if that makes sense. So at some point, you know, science was like every you know, everything's very solid. It's like it's an albeit you know, it's a it's real but it's an illusion according to Einstein, albeit a persistent one. And that was a long time that was a hundred years ago when he was saying that kind of shit. At this point it's like this is why the Bashar stuff and kind of new age kind of thinking is more credible than not to me because I think it's much more open source and ima- like in a weird way, we're in an imagination. And it's like a, it's like a uh, group solipsism in a way, where your beliefs influence your reality tunnel, but then everyone's beliefs collectively, which is what culture and all these things are, create the malleable substrate of what reality is. But it's probably way more porous than we presume, um, or can even imagine. Dreams and life and death and all these things are probably way more or less defined than we presume. But you know, whatever. Yeah, I think it well put, Jim. And just what I'd like to say, Neon, especially because. Initially, you said connecting with your feminine side, and I was about to say, like, well, in a sense, like that's the way to do it, because just like Jim says, also to me, and also in association with ayahuasca, interestingly enough, I kind of made this study during my vision and to see like which way is up and which way is down in terms of spiraling, and I think for me it was like left is down, right is up, or something. Not that it has to be the same for everyone or whatever, but just generally speaking, analytical, of course, is only discriminating and partitioning more and more again, which is shaitan, you know, the devil, the devil diabolical separating. And then uh, the feminine force is more the idea of the intuition. And as I understand it, in terms of the basic human setup, it's like God, then the feminine human aspect, and then the masculine human aspect. And ideally, of course, the bridge is activated. Maybe that's why they're on the Starship Bridge. So it's actually one synchronized whole entire thing. But generally speaking, in terms of being able to even interpret symbols on a simple level, definitely I'd say the the feminine aspect is the the broadband uh, connection and is definitely required uh, for a positive connection to any and all of these, call them higher realms or call them subconscious realms uh, in my view like the void is the substrate in that sense i mean even the bible's like in the beginning the spirit hovered over the water in the darkness and let there be like that's the ejaculate phallic masculine patriarchal coming up that's the emperor card whereas before it was the high priestess and it's like in the beginning there was a mystery and we don't know what it is um not to be a biblical like you know I'm not saying you have to believe that story exactly, but most stories are talking about this. And I think they were kind of an anthropomorphized holographic under, shamanistic understanding of things through their cultural lens. There's, it seems to be getting more and more evidenced by what we call science these days, where it's like, oh, maybe we did pop out of nothingness and it's an infinite regression of nothingness. Is you know, It's just, it's a shit show. Uh, it's not, it's not, you know, we're in Kansas anymore. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're like 
in a world of images now. I feel like it's in a way that was just, I don't know, unfathomable back, you know, not that long ago. Like, there's just so many. Like, one of, part of Marshall McLuhan's thing was like saying how that electronic media is retribalizing us and creating a global village or whatever. And like, I, I think that that is like super true. And, and, uh, I mean, and, and I, I kind of take it so <clears throat> like as a potential remedy to the, this age of empires situation where the written word shifted our brain, shifted our thinking, you know, more towards, uh, the left hemisphere. And so we're, we've, and so as long as we've been communicating through the, uh, through alphabetic languages, you know that the masculine side has been more dominant but then now that now that we're living in um more of a uh visually mediated thing kind of like you know before the alphabet like the ancient egyptians like they they you know they had a like a pictographic you know uh, language or whatever like in the hieroglyphs and the 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 ubiquity of images in our society has got like obviously super slowly but like shifting the dominance of of our brain you know of, of our brains um to the other side to the more feminine side just through the way that you know the way that the alphabet was linear you know linear so it structures our whole entire cognition in linear linear ways where um pictures are more you know more holistic and um and so then that i don't know it's so i i, I think i was do both now like there was pictographic kind of ancestors and that turned into a printing press that's marshall McLuhan's whole thing it's like the printing press kind of changed our perceptive filters and our cognitive like capacities in a sense like you're saying we, we read reality differently now post-literacy and now it's kind of going back to an image-based thing so it's almost like the middle path Totally. I love that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because we're, and I don't know, it's just, uh, that's the, maybe that's a, a bigger picture of the pendulum swinging or whatever. Um, because, because yeah, I feel like we're, you know, when, cause we're young species or whatever, like, like in that movie, you know, in the transformers movie, the, the one of my favorite lines, uh, from, from any movie is where, he, where he says, why are we even trying to save the humans? They're such, uh, they're such a violent species. And one of the other robots is like, yes, but they're still young. They're still so young. The beginning of uh, Star Trek, the next generation, the first episodes with Q. I don't know if you've ever watched the show. Basically they come up on this alien and he's like, I'm judging you because you guys are fucking primitive. <laughs> And they're like, we give us a chance, basically. Like, we're we're not three hundred. I mean, they were saying like we're from the twenty third century, and basically, we don't do nation states and use money and all this shit. So it's kind of like Gene Roddenberry's like techno utopia in a sense. Um, but the computer's like, well, not that long ago you had Auschwitz or whatever, right? right. So it's like, oh god, um, interesting stuff. Um, I'm kind of curious. We, we should probably start winding down because it's late for Raphael. Um, what you uh, like was the book available online are you getting published is it you're edit, editing it now you said you should send me a copy i'll edit for you if you want pro bono <laughs> oh dude, totally thank you um yeah i'm uh, in the last uh, couple like i hope in the last phase i'm like just doing some edit a little bit of editing and um like citations and stuff like because uh 
I realized that, you know, so many books and lectures and documentaries and very, oh, so much research has gone into this book. And, uh, and I've been kind of loosely keeping track of where, which part, you know, went into what, but now I'm like going back through and like citing, like I, I got to kind of going through it with a fine tooth, fine tooth comb, finding every like fact that I can figure you know that i can remember where i got that idea (laughs) whatever like so i can so so that you know in the back of the book there can be a big you know go more if you like you know if you're interested in this topic here's more here's you know more things about that go that way (laughs) right right right, totally right sorry yeah but yeah so that's the phase i'm in right now and uh yeah the book is not available online yet i'm really 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 hoping to negotiate a um creative commons license in the in in the publishing contract i don't know it's still hard to tell like how because i haven't i'm not quite i'm not quite at the stage of like um getting a, an agent which the, and they'll like a lit agent and they'll help me um find a publisher and negotiate the contract and all that but i really 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 want it to be able to be freely downloadable <laughs> like, i'm so down for that i was gonna say i mean i've got teamrabbithole.com and it just renewed the lease i've had it for a year i've done nothing with it Raphael and i are like okay let's do something with this um it'd be dope. i mean if i read it that's cool i'd be like put that on there shit um, because it, yeah, I'm a, I'm very open source. I mean, that's the whole point of kind of what I'm all about. Raphael's even more so than me. It seems like you're on that wave. You'd like to get credit and some money, but at the same time, like information is power, and power is knowledge, and all this shit. So it's like, it seems like you're yeah, on that wave yeah. too. Yeah, exactly. There's a chapter in my book called "The Message of the Medium," um, the 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 economic uh, uh, the digital economics of infinite reproducibility, where mm, I'm like, t- yummy. <laughs> you should you. read us some of these chapter titles because they're all really rad sounding. <laughs> Thank just you. read us your table of contents, and we'll just sit here for a minute. Yeah, totally. Um, wake up and smell the apocalypse. Uh, what the end of the world really means. The Leviathan inherits God's empire. The birth of the nation state. Don't look back. Look forward. We think with myths. Culture as software. False education. Shut him up. We've got a lot invested in this ride. Myths can we'll unite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> myths can unite. Myths can divide. Uh, your freedom's a myth, but we can make it real. No spectators beyond this point. Join the participatory future. A holistic vision from the ground up. The Leviathan flexes its muscles. We can do it for ourselves. So th- those were all the sub essays within Tulu flex like that <laughs> within the um w- that was all in, in the essays in, in the yeah in the wake up and smell the apocalypse chapter and so there's 20 chapters and so they each like <clears throat> are about so then I'll, I'll send I'll, then I'll just read the the top line you know he- headings like cognitive liberty um uh to each their own uh morpheus the per- per- morpheus the proverbial blue pill that's my one on uh like the addiction crisis and like people just trying to escape from this reality uh through sedatives and whatnot um shit even psychedelics sometimes 
<laughs> Fuck this, I want to go rave. Well, but I assert and I'm I, biased. I mean, I'm I, biased. Well, I love it. Worry more than a fucking oxy or something. I get it. Right. Well, and I make an affirmative argument to that effect in here because I am I'm, I'm specific I'm specifically arguing that that psychedelics are not the escape, that they are the thing that they press and, your face against the glass of reality that much harder. Exactly. That's a great way to put it. Like, hey, you can't avoid your ego now, bitch. Here we are. <laughs> Shadow work. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so it's it's uh it's it's pretty epic. It's uh sounds like a tome, man. Sounds like it's influenced by a lot of things. I mean, that's this kind of thing I would definitely send me a PDF, I'll I'll give it to Raphael or send me and him one and or you know, whatever, even if it's not done, I'd love to check it out. Um, totally. Or don't if you don't want to shit. I don't know. Breast your cards, as they say. Do what you will. But that's the kind of thing I was. I mean, even though it's lengthy, I'd still check it out. Um, I know that I feel like you are confident in your writing, and your thoughts are fluid in that dynamic. Uh, you love writing, it seems like. Uh, Team Rabbit Hole Book Club. Oh, or the first published shit. I mean, I have friends that publish books. I'm reading. We had a, you know, Syncbook Press. We have a bunch of people from Syncbook on all the time. They they figured out something. So it's doable, um, and it's about time that people kind of it, – it's a syncretic method in the sense that um, it's you're kind of being flypaper for a lot of ideas that circulate post-2012. You know, McLuhan, Alan Watts, Bill Hicks, whatever, psychedelics, government, you know, these are very zeitgeist-friendly topics. Right. Yeah, no, I'm trying to, I'm trying to cover it all. Like I, or I mean, that was my original aspiration. Got to put like a tab of acid in, as in the middle or something. That everyone will buy it. <laughs> nah, that would inspire the, your old kingpin self. Well, the big part of the way, the way I explain it is that this is, I can't distribute my enlightenment pharmacologically anymore. So I have to do it with words. <laughs> so. It's kind of my, like, that this is that, you know, like, and so it's, there's going to be all, it's going to look so, I'm so excited for what, the, you have no idea, man, this is, uh, this, no, I have this, a little idea, that's why we got well, you out here. I like no, it, you're sounds right, like you're right. straying true to the cause. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, I, I really, yeah, I mean, I, I was trying to cover, like, all the most important aspects of civilization, and then I got, like, five, six hundred pages in, and I'm like, oh, I, there's, and there's, I hadn't, I hadn't covered climate change yet, I hadn't covered, I hadn't even covered transhumanism yet, or, like, there, and I, like, there's a bunch of really important topics that I was planning on ending the book with, and I got five, six hundred pages in, and I was like, oh, I need to start wrapping this up. <laughs> Save those for the next book. <laughs> Well, you could always do what uh, I guess George Lucas wrote all the Star Wars and then chop it up. <laughs> right. Do that. Uh, I guess the Bible does that, right? A lot of books tend to chop it up. Um, I'm kind of curious. Um, so we'll probably get you back on again and talk more about that book uh, maybe in the next couple months once you're kind of done editing it, maybe once I've read it or something like that. How are things with Kara? I mean, uh, when I hung out with you, uh, it was Kara, your now wife, I believe in you, and you guys were like yo what up <laughs> and i was like uh well hey so just just wondering how your like normal life is you doing well yeah definitely real good yep uh, yep, how uh, uh... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no i mean here's the I, philosophy I... of the world uh my marriage is okay <laughs> no i mean a big part I'm of kidding. it is because a big part of it is because i i just i i have friends who you know are are uh 
romantically challenged and i so they so they are always in my mind whenever i talk about like things like how great my marriage is because i don't want to like make love, people fuck them like love love i love love so if you're having a good time you won't make, i mean don't be that weird couple making out in the food court or something you know <laughs> right. like, yo okay thanks for that but at the same time like good you know, intimacy and fucking finding the person you want to be with for the rest of your life, that's something worth celebrating and, you know, honoring. You don't have to hide it under a bushel from me. <laughs> right, totally. No, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm the luckiest man in the world. My, yeah, Kara's amazing. And, Stop, I'm uh, jealous. Stop. Shut <laughs> <laughs> up, Eric. <laughs> but yeah, no, I just, it's awesome because we get get to have great philosophical conversations all day, every day. And it's, uh, I can't imagine anything better. Well, I'm stoked for you and her. We'll ha- uh, tell her, hey, um, we'll have to get you on. Um, I'm, I mean, if she's down to come on sometime, I'd love to have her and pick her brain and her history and shit. I know she's not writing a book, but uh, still cool, Chica. And I'm glad our paths <laughs> crossed. Y'all, this is Team Rabbit Hole in action. Like I said, I just, I don't even know. Facebook's a weird fucking human zoo, and we stumbled upon each other at some level and met up in real life, uh, raved out, had some fun um and ultimately yeah he's being the change he wants to see in the world that's really the bottom fucking line so if you aren't happy with the status quo don't just sit there and take it like try to understand what's going on to the point you can hence conversations and plumbing the depths of the rabbit hole but uh also try to be proactive and actualized in a practical and you know um have a way in which there's practice in the world from the effect of your longing for more or whatever. Oh, it's verbose, I know. But the point is, you're doing it, dude. So good job. Oh, thank you, man. It's, I deeply appreciate it. Seriously, I I know it's a it's a very uh, I mean it's it's uh, it's hard to stare reality to, to to keep staring reality in the face <laughs> like as it's you know. It, like uh like oh you thought i was bad how, here's how about this one like you know and i i just feel like and and in order to you know i i feel like you know the only way out is through or whatever you know like i i think that up, up the apocalypse is a necessary precursor to utopia and and so yeah and that's why i feel like this unveiling is like the most important thing that you know right now because just because there's, I think all the problems are from people not that people just are so incurious and propagandized, and you know I'm just trying to. Um, one of my favorite phrases or quotes is uh, "the truth needs better marketing," and so not that I know much about marketing uh, <laughs> or whatever, but like I want to, I wanted to to give it my best uh, to articulate it um, as I see it. Yeah. Just and do I, what you can with what you got. Makes sense. Exactly right. Exactly. What are you going to do with the philosophy degree? Uh, um, Pretty much what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> write a book, you know, you, go to some you, cultural you, events and stuff. Exactly, yeah. And... Uh, Ten years later, I'm after my fucking. It only took me ten years to write this fucking thing, but my, I think my professors will be proud. <laughs> yeah, you should try to find them on the internet and like check this out. All right, dude. Well, thanks for coming on. Um, are there any kind of parting thoughts you'd want to leave us with? Any way you know, if there's a website you want to plug or anything like that. I know you have a YouTube. We put that um in your 
website in the links. But anyway, go ahead and say your shtick. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, yeah, so I'm uh, I I put a lot of work into curating actually. So, but it's a lot. The central hub of it is my website, utopiancartography.com. But I also am I'm a prolific curator on you know YouTube and SoundCloud, especially, but also Spotify. But um, but especially SoundCloud and YouTube; those are my main places that I curate you know music and videos. And I have like hundreds of playlists um, on each of those platforms uh, of all kinds of different moods and subjects. And so um, I would you know on on either place it's utopian cartography um on youtube and soundcloud so there's an, a massive ama amounts of amazing stuff that i've curated in my playlists on there in addition to my website full of curation utopiancartography.com that's what's up uh guys team rabbit hole in action go out there and find the others they're out there you just have to kind of dangle your lure in the water and be patient uh and it too will come to pass so thanks for coming on dude I'm, i know it's been a while since we've talked i'm glad you're doing well hopefully we can uh i mean geez we hung out pre-covid it's another lifetime ago it seems um but uh i hope we are passing across again and i hope that you have a good evening hell yeah man i'm excited to see you again too and uh rafael maybe i'll meet you in uh real life uh someday as well well for sure so, it's been an awesome conversation. We shall be around for some time. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, everyone, uh, know thyself, uh, love yourself, enjoy yourself. And yeah, catch you all next time. Thank you, Neon. And thank you, too. Thank, thank you.